Some people like mouse sounds. Like ASMR. Do some ASMR. No, I don't have the right mic for it. Oh. What kind of microphone do you need for that? Well, you need stereo. This is it's a mono podcast. So. Uh, no, I just have to go back to unboxing shit. You do a lot of that? No, I don't know. I mean, is unboxing videos, are they just literally like unboxing things and showing you what's like what products are inside? I think uh, the name on the tin is correct. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's plenty of things that I assume that's what they are, but I just don't know. I think it's uh, probably a way for a lot of people to have the experience of purchasing something without actually owning it, you know? Mm, okay. But you don't do those kind of videos. You don't watch those. You watch yeah. videos of people making sores and stuff. Yeah, like blacksmithing, some woodwork. I mean, it's kind of an unboxing, unboxing from the earth or whatever. Mm, your Crafting. metaphor is thin. Mm. Or whatever, I don't watch. Either video. What I'm do sorry. you watch lately? What do you watch these days on YouTube? Videos of Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves being interviewed promoting Point Break. Yeah, I did not watch that. <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, well, perhaps we can weave it into the conversation we're about to have. Mm. Shall we yeah, begin the podcast? Yeah, it's a pretty weak intro. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James Taylor. I'm Marco Sparks. And we're back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Utah. Give me two. That's what we're going to be talking about. Point break. I wanted to have a meatball sub for a dinner in honor of the movie, but I didn't get a chance to. Where does one get a good meatball sub? That's not around the corner. Yeah. I mean, I, you need to go. That place might like, uh, be like. I wonder if it still exists or if it ever existed. You know, like I could go to it down here. I feel like you should hear about it. Like, if you're the the meatball sub place, yeah. Point Break. Like, fuck it. That's just the name of the place. Hi, we're the meatball sub place from Point Break. You pay Gary Busey like I don't know fifty dollars and a bag of crack cocaine to do your endorsements for you. Okay. Oh my god, fucking Gary Busey is such a bizarre entity. I mean, this is a movie full of bizarre entities, but like, I look at this guy and I think two things. One, that is straight up a horse's mouth. Two, you just know he's seen like a really good snuff film, like an expensive one. I didn't even start one. All right, before we get yeah. into that though, uh, so yeah, we're doing head, on Headcan this week, we're doing Point Break, the, uh, the only one worth mentioning, the 1991 version. Banish from the thought is the remake. Some horseshit. Uh, before we get to that, though, what are you watching? Um, I'm really behind on everything. Still, sorry, folks. Not that anyone cares. Uh, no, you. So caught up in my. Yeah, I will apologize. Caught up on my elementary, and I've been watching uh, at a snail's pace. Still, uh, person of interest. Mm. I'm what like season. Still, I'm still in like season three. Mm. Um, where am I at? I'm in the second episode in a row where it's like the 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 person of the week is like something with like a fucking app are you in like this early or late season early season three i'm okay. in like maybe episode three it's the one where what are their names 
Zoe, Shaw, and Carter are all having a drink while they're undercover at a club. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the only time like the three women on the show get to actually like be in the same room and talk. And I bet they're about to talk about the man in the suit. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, like, he's had sex exactly one time on this show. I don't know how many episodes ago. And it's like, will we ever address this again? Do you need them to? He's it's he's just this weird sterile, you know, well tailored murdering force. And then like in one episode, he's just like, I still have the keys of the penthouse if you want to smash. And then nothing. So I, don't I mean, know. I, I assume that it's the kind of show where like that stuff may be happening off screen, but it's just like not well, then, a part of the show itself very often. With Shaw and Rue, there's like this madcap sexual glee to everything they do. Mm-hmm. And then you have this guy. Your favorite character. Which one? Uh, John. No, I wouldn't say John's my favorite character. No, you wouldn't? No, no. <laughs> right now. Kitten right voiced uh, Jim Caviezel there. Yeah, every time you say kitten voice, it's like I dislike him a little bit more. <laughs> um, no, it's it's probably, I, I want it to be Root. She's like still like in the psychiatrist's office. She's still in Terry Colby's office mm-hmm. where I'm at. I wish Fucking Terry Colby, there. man. I wish you had a voice like Terry Coley. That would be wild. <laughs> I don't know if I wish that. <laughs> no, when it's, is, that's, when that's is that show coming back? It's like the last season, right? Yeah, it's the last season. It should be sometime, sometime this year. Although I could go for some. Right now. I could go for some Mr. Robot. I feel like they kind of found their stride a little again in season three. Well, you have to be watching this final season thinking like, okay, how are we actually going to finally address time travel? Maybe not at all. They have, I mean, even if it's like bullshit, which it most likely is, like you have to fucking address time travel or it's a simulation or whatever. Because White Rose clearly has that on her mind. Yeah. So anyway. I wonder if, uh, if what's his face, uh, Sam Eswell is a little annoyed at Stranger Things, kind of like biting on his Back to the Future obsessions there. Mm, maybe. Anyway. Uh, you did that homecoming show of Julie Roberts, which was kind of boring yeah i didn't watch it it's like based on a podcast <laughs> no thanks it's based on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last thing i ever want to hear <laughs> anyways what am i watching um the only thing i could think of to put down for this is the spider-man movie uh, far from home i haven't really mm-hmm. watched any tv lately i mean i've you know watched various blacksmithing videos but i don't think <sighs> anyone really cares about that oh they care a little asmr a little blacksmithing you know mm-hmm can you whisper and blacksmith at the same time? I don't see the point. Clang, clang. Uh, yeah, that's really good. Uh, I don't know if I have much to say about Spider-Man Far From Home. It was a fun movie. I, I really honestly like the, the kind of just goofy teen, you know, trip to another country, you know, romance. Like that was more fun to me than like the superhero parts. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would have been fine if it was just like, Rather than having a big action denouement, it was just like another 40 minutes of like a class trip in hijinks. Every time, I don't doubt it's, it's beautiful. I don't know that I want to go back to it. But every time someone talks about Euphoria, I want to just go watch Zendaya in Far From Home again. Um, See, I'm so if, glad she's in the Marvel Universe. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed Gyllenhaal in that movie. I think, no spoilers, like you get two incredibly great sides of what Hall is capable of. And I think he's both at the same time, but I really want to spend time with the the kids. Like I like, like Ned and Betty. I just want to hang out with them. 
I guess Peter too. I don't know. I like Peter. See, if I I, I really enjoyed uh, the MJ character in this, she should just be Mary Jane. I was stupid that she's not, but um, I think she actually had a character in Far From Home, which was fun. Mm-hmm. If I only knew Zendaya from Euphoria, I would be like, I don't get it. Like what? Mm. What's the what? What are people raving about? Because I feel like her character. I'm granted, I only watched one episode, but her character just seemed like just the absolute like cliche, like cynical edge lord teen. I was just like, man, pass. Well, there's there's people who have the kind of affect that she plays very well, and I think it's obviously much more well balanced to me. Shockingly, in Far From Home, like that's the real person behind all that. Um, plus, it's it's kind of funny too. It's like they. They need to get you to the place where you need to be, where it's like off screen with the blip and everything else. Mm-hmm. It's like also Peter now has a huge crush on her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I suddenly realized she's a total babe. So like all those like all about that, all those monologues that gave her in euphoria in the pilot were just like, oof, I, just, I thought they were so cringy. It's like the last time I felt, you know, secure was when I was in the womb or whatever her line is at the beginning. It's just like, oh, God. Also, I'm I'm all for equal opportunity genitalia close-ups. I just don't need to see Eric Dane's body doubles dick. Yeah, I missed out on the thirty dicks episode. Oh well. Which one is there? Another one of thirty dicks? I thought that was. I think I it's just the like the was, second. Was the pilot. No, it's like okay. the second one. I think Which I only watched pilot. One? What's that? One of them has like a fan fiction, like animated montage. It's all in stuff. I, all in stuff I didn't watch. Yeah. Well, yeah. exciting. Let's talk about more shows we haven't watched. Yeah. What are you listening to? Oh, uh, shit. I don't have an answer to that. Mm. Um, yeah, sorry. Mm. 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 Roxy Music. I've been listening to some older Roxy Music. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've been listening to that new Muse album. I'm not even sure if it's new, just the last one they put out. Um, it kind of goes with what I'm reading, I guess. It's It's okay. It's maybe more listenable than the second law. Um, I don't know. It's a robot music. Yeah. Are you doing okay? Yeah. Do we need to talk about anything? Anything you need to share? You're right. I'm never all right, but you know. Okay. I don't know what to think, man. You're listening to news albums. I just want you to know I'm here for you. What are you reading? Uh, I'm. Still slowly picking up again and hoping to actually make progress in uh, the new Neil Stevenson book, Fall. So or when you say that, like how many, how many pages are you in? How many chapters are you in? Um, I think I'm in like chapter four. Hmm. Has, yeah, anyone fall, I, has anyone fallen yet? Like has he had the fall off in the medical procedure? I don't think so yet. Maybe I'm not in chapter four. Okay. I'm almost I'm dead. like 20 or 30 pages in. That that's that's what I'm reading as well. Um, I'm about maybe a hundred pages ago. I don't know. I haven't looked exactly, but getting mm-hmm. getting close to the end. It's um, it is the weirdest, bleakest thing he's ever written. I think. Beautiful. There's there's, there's a section. Familiar faces. There are some familiar faces. Okay. Thrilling. Yeah. There's a section in it where it's kind of like, because I I don't know. I I really wonder people who listen to this podcast how many of them have ever read a Neil Stevenson book. It's Maybe, maybe not this crossover with like a PLL audience, you know. Um, but the he's kind of well known for like world building, kind of like weird, kind of like near future societies. It's kind of like his his early gimmick. 
um, there's a section where he's like kind of describing an America of like, let's say like 20 to 30 years from now mm-hmm. and like kind of the, uh, the reality that people would be living in, in like a, a pure fake news type of society where everyone has their own like propaganda feeds. And it's like the bleakest shit you've ever read. It's like super depressing. Sweet. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, this is the guy who wrote about a book about like all humanity essentially dying and like a massive catastrophe and like the moon blew up. And yet mm-hmm. that is not as bleak as reading those sections of the book, but then it gets really fucking weird and then it just keeps getting weirder. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend it. It's, um, so it's a guy who wrote a 10 page, uh, thing about the proper way to eat, eat Captain Crunch. Crunch. Yeah. It's not his most accessible, accessible work. You know, it's this is like, a deep cut on the Stevenson album. My impression from what I've, unfortunately, the one spoiler that I got was like, he's really clear in the decks and what he could write after this could be like anything or he might not write, write anything at all. I mean, I feel like this could end with just like a massive, just mind blowing, like twist or revelation, or maybe mm-hmm. it'll be a happy ending or maybe it'll be like the bleakest ending ever. I don't know. Like, I feel like it'd go a lot of different ways right now. Okay. Uh, How does this compare to like where you are in it, like with say Seven Eves or other books? I mean, Seven Eves is such a hard comparison too because that book also has a completely weird like paradigm shift two thirds of the way through the book. Mm-hmm. This one's more like maybe a lot of mini Seven Eves, um, mm-hmm. not so much in the content necessarily, but in the way like the book that you think you're reading keeps changing. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there's like there's a bunch of parts and there's also like a book one and a book two, but they don't I mean, they kind of you could say, OK, this kind of makes sense as a part or that you, this makes sense as book one, book two. But it's really just kind of like you think you're following this character's story and then they die. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm following this character's story now. And then, oh, nope, I'm following this character instead. And it it just keeps on like, I don't know, kind of uh, re uh, what is the word for that? Like the mathematician term think of it right now but like he keeps like rezoning and recentering it yeah i think he's at a point where other iterating it other than like grammar and tense like he's impervious to any note from an editor (laughs) yeah yeah this is the book from someone who is writing what they want i mean reem d has a hundred page chase scene Mm -hmm. (laughs) with multiple people chasing it's like a weirdly weirdly this book is a sequel to that and, and other things too. and other things yeah. yeah yeah i i yeah i don't know i don't know what the overlap i mean i definitely could not things. recommend this to anyone who's not already read like cryptonomicon's broke cycle and read me or read mm-hmm. me so um if, if you're at all interested in neil scenes then go read like the diamond age or, or snow crash i wouldn't necessarily say it's diamond age first i would suggest yeah, cryptonomicon or snow, snow crash Diamond Age is a fantastic, brilliant book, but in a legendarily book, really, bad ending. Yeah, I really like the ending. I mean, it's it's not it just bad. Ends. It's just it's abrupt. It's not like put it, it that way. It doesn't really come to like a like like a, like swell to a crescendo or anything like that. It just ends beautifully. Mm-hmm. But like, you're gonna want to have a dictionary close by. <laughs> Every other page, he he throws out like a forty five dollar word, mm-hmm. um, but like beautifully, like like. Like it's the most natural thing for him ever. Um, I mean, maybe go read the Depart- the Rise and Fall of Dodo. That's that's probably pretty accessible. That's time travelly, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Is like a is that like a meant to be 
a series? Is there both supposed to be more of those? I don't know. I mean, I would be interested. I it's a collaboration between him and a, another author. I'd be interested in reading more of the two of them. Like, I felt like it was a little looser, um, and a little like the fall dodge and hell like really leans into like his more esoteric dryness you mm-hmm. know and i think it it can be useful sometimes for somebody else to kind of liven things up i think she collaborated on the mongoliad i think so yeah the nice thing is if you don't know who, who neil stevenson is we could just be making this all up oh yeah you don't know <sighs> all right well i think we've bored people enough with our neil stevenson talk i would love to know if anyone listening to this podcast actually reads neil stevenson books Hit us up. Let us know. I'd, I'd love to talk about some of his books with someone. But very few people read them. Seemingly, at least back, in my orbit. Way back when we uh, we podcasted about Cryptonomicon. No, we did Anathem. Did we? I think we did both. Did we? Hmm, okay. Did you ever finish yeah. Cryptonomicon? Yeah, because we podcasted oh. about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we, that, was, that was when we when we did Cryptonomicon. We did Anathem. And we did the first two seasons of Veronica Mars. Yeah. Anywho, uh, so what's left? Is that everything? What's left is point break. Point break. Why don't you hit us with your opening statement? This is going to be one of my patented weird rambles. Um, mm. Let me just throw out some words. Okay. Keanu, mm-hmm. Swayze, mm-hmm. Gary Busey, mm-hmm. Hunks, mm-hmm. Beefcakes. I'm so glad we talked about this movie, the original, years before they remade it as The Fast and the Furious. Um, this movie just beautifully walks this line. It's expertly walks this line where it feels really dumb, but it's also incredibly good. It's well-structured. It's well-paced. Uh, I, I fight me. This is Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze's best performances ever. Um, brilliantly acted. It takes itself so seriously. Um, this is a great movie about being two things at once because it's erotic. It's romantic. It's maybe not homoerotic. Uh, it could be the camera, like, adores the bodies of these hunks in subtle places and it's like blatant in others the guy trying to fit into two worlds not really fitting to either it's this weird love story between like uh, uh well two guys but also there's like a incredibly strong masculine woman of an androgynous name and short hair and then you have johnny utah who's like maybe the most feminine male action hero at the time um this movie like it sets itself up it pays itself off at times I'll be watching a sequence of it and I'll be thinking like, this is fucking ridiculous. And then I'll notice that like, it's the most brilliant way to handle something so ridiculous. Um, Catherine Bigelow is a fucking genius. End of statement. All right. Yeah. You know, I used to get such shit in college for liking this movie. Like all my peers thought that this was just like this supremely dorky and uncool movie with an absurd premise about surfing bank robbers and goofy Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. And Oh, how the worm has turned. This is a, just an all-time classic of an action movie uh, where Roadhouse was fun, but like deeply stupid. I think this movie is kind of like sneaky smart about how it plays with the genre conventions and introduces an antagonist that you're sort of rooting for the whole time. Uh, mm-hmm. Filmmaking by Catherine Bigelow, incredible. Stunt work is amazing. It's full of interesting and memorable characters and great lines. Gary Busey is just out of his mind in it. Uh, it's just <laughs> the Hall of Fame caliber entry into the Pantheon and, in an era of like Schwarzenegger and Stallone were still largely ruling the action landscape, like this one kind of stands out as something like fresh and interesting. It's everything the Fast and Furious franchise wishes it was. End of statement. There you go. It's just a great movie. It's a great fucking movie. 
Yeah, all my friends from college, I'm sure they say they like it now. We should call them up on air. Tell them mm-hmm. to fuck off. Let's do it. Man, so fuck, done. fuck all those film school people fuck. from college, man. You should have had your P.T. Anderson thing where you just like quit as soon as people started bad in this movie. I just remember being in directing class and they're supposed to go around and say like, hey, well, what movie inspired you to get into filmmaking? And it was just the biggest bunch of fucking horseshit answers ever. It was like, oh, Breathless. And it's like, yeah, sure. That, that was a fucking movie that inspired you. Sure. Fuck off. Yeah, you fucking saw Breathless. Fuck yeah. off. <laughs> I watched, you asked what I watched. I watched, uh, I watched this video the other night about um, why Keanu is so popular as an introvert. Hmm. And, it, and it talked about um, in like NLP, the three ways that people like communicate and see the world. And some people are visual, some people are audio, and some people are kinesthetic. And how Keanu is a kinesthetic guy, and that's why, like, he's one of these people. Who, like, he might have imposter syndrome. If you praise him, he has to redirect it to other people. Um, we're like on what, like the third or fourth Keanu sense. I'm so glad we're doing this movie. I guess this is probably the third. I mean, he's like. I mean, he had he had basically Point Break era, right? And then he had yeah. Matrix era, and now he's well, got he like John Wick era. era. Then point I think break. Bill and Ted was like only a couple of years before this. Yeah, I'm still. I mean, I think, this I think, was like a, a, a kind of a paradigm shift. Oh, yeah. This, this was, hey, Bill is in an act or Ted is in an action movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like he's he, every story you hear about him. He's like he comes off as like a fucking sweetheart. I was reading something the other day. He like he literally helped to build the Matrix. Like he would just show up on days when he wasn't working and be like, do you guys need help building sets? Because he just wanted to be involved. I mean, that's nice to hear. And all. I was just thinking about this the other day. Do you ever like? Do you ever feel like you've reached the limit with someone where you're like, you know what? I like them as they are. I don't want to know anymore. Like, like I don't want. I don't want anything to ruin it potentially later. You know. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking about this, like uh, with the Women's World Cup and like Alex Morgan and Megan Rapinoe. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, they're great. Like please like just like let them go away for a while now like because like sooner or later so one of them is going to say something that someone's going to be annoyed by and they're going to be like a dumb backlash and it's just like can we just not do that part you know can we just enjoy them without like killing it well unfortunately in this particular climate like megan rapinoe like where she finally got to the point where i'm aware of her she was already a huge target on her back i'm not talking about the shitheads on the right i'm not talking about those people okay okay you just mean something where she'll become problematic to the like people on the left. She'll say well. something where so, you know, someone's going to parse something she says, or you know, I don't know. You can you can already imagine the Jezebel article about it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I appreciate people who maybe deserve some spotlight have been thrust into it in a way that maybe they're not like to to a level to a degree that they're not fully prepared for, and they gracefully find a way, like you said, to leave before they become too much of an issue, like. I really enjoyed like the things that were said by like Emma Gonzalez. And I'm glad that we like, we don't hear from her as much because she's a person who needs to go live a life, you know? Yeah. And it's not so much that like, they don't deserve the spotlight or anything. It's just like, I feel like the media has a way of just, they go so, they, they, they stand so hard that like, there's nothing left to do after a while, except tear someone down, you know? Yeah. I don't, it's I like, don't can we skip see, that part? I don't need to see people. I like being dog day afternoon unless yeah. they fucking deserve to be destroyed, which is why we talk about the fucking, you know, what if so and so was affiliate of Jeffrey Epstein? It's like good, drag him. Yeah, eight year olds, dude. <laughs> Why right. are they making a Jesus movie? <laughs> it's like on John Turturro. Yeah. He's just like, I fucking need this. 
Um, how many top moments do you have? Yeah, seven. I, I tried to limit mine to moments rather than dialogue because I have a shitload of quotes to mm. read later. Um, I have seven as well. And I, I'm going to tell you, I'm purposely leaving out ones that really should be on here. Like mm. there's one particular moment that I really fucking love, but it's so similar to another moment, et cetera. Mm. So I have seven as well. Do you want to start? Sure. So my honorable mention number four is uh, Bodie and Johnny versus Warchild's gang. <laughs> Back off, Warchild. Seriously. So you're always leaving off the part that's like the coup de gras to me. Which is, is right after that, when Warchild backs off, he then says, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that. That's where like Bodie, like, it's like, oh, yeah, you're cool. Um, my number seven is... It's after Johnny Utah's first attempt to swim, and he almost kills himself. So, like, Lori mm-hmm. Petty's Tyler has to save his life, drag him back to the beach. She's telling him, like, you have no business being out here. You should go somewhere else and commit suicide. And she even calls this pink, big pink surfboard a piece of shit. So afterwards, he's, like, laying there, like, like trying to, like, fill his lungs <laughs> with air. And he's like, hey, the name's Johnny Utah. And she's like, who cares? And she paddles away. And I was like, this is why I had a huge crush on you after this movie. <laughs> I feel like we should say up front, the, the concept of this movie is that yes. there are these bank robbers in L.A. called the ex-presidents because they wear masks of the ex-presidents uh, when they rob banks. And they're like super successful. They robbed like 30 banks in three years. Uh, Johnny Utah, Keanu Reeves is like a new FBI guy just coming to L.A. in the bank robbery division. And like him and Gary Busey are on like the bank robbery task force. And Gary Busey has this crazy theory that the ex-presidents are surfers. But he never investigated. Yeah. Well, like everyone laughs off his theory about it. The the idea is that they're surfers who are just stealing enough money to have an endless summer. And so he must learn to surf Johnny Utah to infiltrate the surfers and figure out, you know, if one of them is the the ex-president. And then then be seduced. Mm -hmm. The quarterback gets seduced into it. Yeah, there's a little bit of fight club going on there. I think yeah. he, he described uh, Bodhi as the uh, Tyler Durden of the sea. I think maybe but it's also the Tyler Durden of the air. I think maybe the Tyler Durden of the beach, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyler Durden of the extreme elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. There's a little bit of like uh, like Jack and Locke in there too. I don't think Bodhi wants to go there. I, Why I do mean, you they're find searching it for so the hard source. to believe. They're both searching for the source. I don't think Bodhi necessarily wants to go there alone, but he has to go there. Mm-hmm. We could really like psychoanalyze this movie. Maybe we will. What's your number six? So honorable mention number three is the ex-president's first robbery. Uh, just the way it's all staged. Um, you know, they're all running in with uh, who you got. You got uh, Nixon, LBJ, Reagan, and Carter, right? Yeah. No Gerald Ford. Yeah, fuck off Ford. <laughs> Only the elected ex-presidents. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like the the way they move so fast they're like timing it they never go for the vault you know they separate the, they separate the money you know and they're like doing voices the whole time you know like i am not a crook oh ronnie i've got nancy on the line one yeah <laughs> um it's just like it's really great just like action kind of like thriller filmmaking uh, mm-hmm. Catherine bigelow directed this movie this was uh before this she had done Blue Steel and Near Dark, right. I think, were her major movies. Yeah, Loveless. Yeah, um, this is an incredible movie. I man, we'll we'll talk about Catherine Beagle a lot during this, but I really wish she would do more. I, I feel like we've we've had enough like super serious Catherine Beagle movies. Like, have a little bit of fun because she's really good at what she does. Well, and, and there's never been like a 
a movie about action masculinity mm-hmm. that has been as good as when it's directed by her. Yeah. Um, and, and that scene you're talking about, like the way it then blends into like the info dump where it becomes surveillance footage. The movie's so good. It's so tight. Um, anyway, so my, my honorable mention number three or my moment number six, whatever you want to call it is Keanu and Gary Busey, like meeting cute as fuck. I'm not sure why there's a sequence in which FBI agents need to retrieve bricks off the bottom of a pool while blindfolded. There's some kind of PT or exercise routine. It's some sort of like, uh, I don't know, fitness thing or something, yeah, I guess. Yeah, like a fitness test. Mm-hmm. But just picture Gary Busey in a swimsuit blindfolded. And it's that classic trope where it's like he's complaining to the guy who's like testing him about like why he, the old timer, the veteran, has to be saddled with this rookie. And then the rookie walks up and is just like, the shit they pull, huh? You know? And then he, finally he's like, oh, you're my new partner. And then he puts on the blindfold. He's like, two bricks coming up. And he does this wacky <laughs> baboon dive into the pool. Gary Busey, like, there's a, you have a movie of genu- genuine fucking hunks and the physical acting he contributes as well. Like, he really he's just on the table doing that surfboard thing. Oh, oh that's shit. in my notes. Yeah. He really just kind of owns it. Like, yeah. He's completely secure in his Gary Buseyness. I mean, if he was a creature in the his his dark materials universe, I think it's safe to say his demon is cocaine, <laughs> but it's working. Yeah. All right. Uh, my honorable mention number two is when Johnny talks Tyler into teaching him to surf. Oh, I'm gonna break oh. my neck or try. Yeah, I mean, I want that on my on my. It's it's so good. Well, because he's he's learned that her parents died in a plane crash. I think right. I can't remember his car crash or plane crash, but they're like, so he's going to use that. So he's like, he's telling this story about how y'all did what his parents are. And like, she's already maybe like 10% into him. She's like, oh, this is a line, right? Like, she's probably mildly attracted to him. But then he like, he's a good looking dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's counter Reese. And then he like happens to just drop the detail offhand that both his parents were killed in like a car accident, like very similar to hers. And you can just see in her eyes, it's like, oh, fuck. I'm going to sleep yeah. with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, going to write him like a surfboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, I'm sorry. Just knocking that. Just punching that microphone. Alistair got away from me. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, though, my argument is that up until the point where his his parents supposedly die in a car crash, the the actual part he's fabricating to get close to her, Mm -hmm. I think the speech is true. Probably is, yeah. Um, See, this is where I cheat. My my next moment, my number five, it's the stakeout outside the bank. Everything in this sequence is comedic, <laughs> bizarre weirdness. From the from the start of the very LA thing, where the guy's coming up trying to sell them a bag of oranges through the car window, and Gary's like, "No, we got a lot, we got a lot," you know. And well, he does like, he does the move where like he doesn't just say no; he kind of like passes it off. Like, hey, do you need oranges? No. Oh no, we're good, we're good, we got a lot. Yeah. Then he's cackling like a madman as he's reading that day's Calvin and Hobbes in the newspaper. <laughs> to the fucking lunch order, man! Utah, give me two. Um, and I want to put even just Johnny like ordering the sandwiches with the car pulling up behind him, but like, ah, I just love it. The filmmaking is so good. The, the little bits where these characters become real is so comedic and strange and feels tactile. And yeah. So Utah, give me two. <laughs> All right. Honorable Mitch number one, when Johnny joins the ex presidents for a robbery, cause he has to, cause they're holding mm. Tyler hostage. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like the way he like when they're driving to the bank and everyone else is like suiting up and they're like oh no mask for Johnny and like mm-hmm. they give him like an empty shotgun and then he has to go in there and like all can't of, have you walking in there if you're dick in your hand exactly 
And then like during the robbery, like uh, suddenly Bodhi wants to go for the vault, which he never does. And, you know, Keanu's starting to freak out. And then there's like the, the cop off duty cop. who's like reaching for his gun. And it's just like, you just see the the disaster looming, you know, and then the way it plays out is awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very sexual movie. Um, my number four, my number one, honorable mention, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's a little bit of a conversation here. Uh, do you have like, I assume you just have like all the dialogue of the movie on hand. I almost want to act us out with you. Which, but which scene are you talking about? It's after Bodie rescues Johnny from the Nazi surfers and he's given him the download on War Child's gang. <laughs> you know, I actually don't have all that. I'll, I'll do my best. I'll try to yeah. do it fast. Uh, Johnny says, who were those guys? And Bodhi's like, Nazi assholes. They think there's some kind of death squad around here. What's their program? Their brains are wild wrong. They're into some bad shit. Like what? Illegal shit? Maybe. I don't know. That's not what I'm talking about. They only live to get radical. They don't have any real understanding of the sea. They'll never get the spiritual side of it. Hey, you're not going to start chanting or anything, are you? And he's like, ah, I might. <laughs> That's when I was like, Oh shit, I totally get Bodhi. Like, I fucking get him. This is before he even goes into his, like, dark philosophy of why they need to rob banks and everything. Yeah. He's an incredibly compelling antagonist, yeah. Yeah, he, considering that there's not a whole lot to Bodhi, he's just Patrick Swayze's charisma with a couple of monologues. Well, this, is, this is definitely another role that could only be played by him. Oh, God. And they tried to make this, like, four years earlier, and, like... God, the fucking cast. Didn't have like Matthew Broderick? Yeah, like, the, the fucking the, the Ridley Scott directed version. Yeah, the fucking most row of shitty, boring Johnny Utahs. Like uh, Johnny Depp, Val Kilmer. It's like, oh, fuck, we've seen this before. Yeah, no thank you. All right, my number three. When we meet Bodie and we play some football on the beach. <laughs> Just like the way we first see Bodie, like kind of blurred out in the background, running up behind Tyler. And kind of mm-hmm. like doing the whole like shush thing, like don't don't alert her that I'm coming, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like just like there's like some real weird bro tension between them, mm-hmm. you know? Because it's like you can tell that like Bodie and Tyler used to be a thing, but they're not now. But Bodie kind they of still like kissing the mouth, hello. Yeah. And then, and then just the football game where it's like they start getting like a little too into it. Like at one point, Bodie like sacks Johnny or like. Hits him just as he throws, you know, um, and it's like they're getting a little more physical than they should. Ending with them like just running like, you know, 100 feet into the ocean and tackling. Night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like especially like if Bodie even picks up on that, there's something clearly forming between Tyler and Johnny Utah. And he just walks up and it's like he's like, Shh, I'm going to sneak up on her. This is going to be fun. It's like a little joke. But it's also like, hey, brah. I'm ins- I'm asserting that I have this connection yeah. with her that you'll never touch. He's, and he's definitely letting uh, Johnny know that like there's something here, but I'm totally cool with you guys. But just so you know, I was there first, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and like Tyler's like the only girl allowed in the football game too. Yeah, because she's, yeah, there really aren't any other girls. Because well, she's fucking incredible. Like she's mm-hmm. she really identifies like the bullshit. I mean, she's almost the moral center of the movie in a way. I, I suppose. Yeah. Also, just the bit where he. First comes up and he takes a look at Johnny Utah's surfboard and he goes, "That's a uh, that's a surfboard." <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of Fifty Seven Chevy I had once. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so my number three. Uh, so the gang, there's a whole there's a whole bit. It's kind of this old James Bond type thing where they know that Johnny's an undercover FBI agent and he might know that they know, but like they're gonna kind of play this this pissing match to see who can 
who who can break first. So they take him for like a late night skydiving trip or pick him up late in the night, take him for a skydiving trip. Um, they got him on the plane. They're all about to jump. And he's, you know, got his parachute. He's never done this before. And he's just like, hey, by the way, who who packed my chute? And then John or, uh, Patrick Swayze is about, he's just like, I did. Don't you trust me? And he's like, you, you got to earn trust. <laughs> So the gang starts like switching around their shoots for John. Like, oh, you don't want Bodie's shoot. Halftime doesn't even open. And well, like they're, they're fucking guy. with him. Yeah, they're fucking with him beautifully. And the other guy's just like, oh, you don't want this shoot. It's like a real, it's set for a real neck breaker. So they're like passing these shoots back and forth until I think we came up with the, he probably gets the original one back mm-hmm. before he jumps out. But it's just, it's like this weird parachute Russian roulette. But it's like, I guess they're fucking with him. He kind of senses that they're fucking with him, but it's like, mm-hmm no one it's like they must play the game you know yeah yeah he's like all right guys have your fun i might die we're jump or jerk off yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i love that bit uh where we at number two yeah number two uh so speaking of parachutes when johnny jumps out of the plane with only a gun mm-hmm. no parachute what an insane just falls to the wall move that is i i think this like gets diminished in like modern action movies where like they do things that would like clearly just kill people you know mm. constantly but like this movie's fairly grounded in reality fairly you know like <laughs> not all the way but mostly you know and like that dude just jumped out of an airplane without a parachute because he has a gun and he's going to catch up to another guy who has a parachute mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's insane yeah so like i said well, it's, it's so insane that keanu like you know the the johnny utah character is just like ah this is crazy you know like he knows he, what he's about to do is insane before he does it psychs himself up yeah, yeah. Uh, and they don't do this one time in movies before that I'm aware of, which was this cartoon called Moonraker, in which Bond finds out the plane's going to crash. So he just dives out of the plane after one of the pilots, you know, it's like Jaws is involved. Remember that character? <laughs> and he like Bond like kills the guy, gets a parachute off and puts it on and like, you know, parachutes safely. But like this movie does something so much more interesting in which like Johnny catches up with Bodie and grabs onto him. And there's like this real psychological test of like, pull the shoot, pull the shoot, pull the shoot. But you've got this gun in my head, Johnny. Like, you're going to have to let it go to pull the shoot because I'm not pulling it. And it's like this real, like, I don't know. It's psychological. It's kind of seductive. They're in this together. Um, this is like the first real sex scene in the movie, I think. Yeah, maybe not the first. Well, but there's a great moment. There's some real uh, afterglow when they land. But, like, like, that's the moment that I especially wanted to put on my top moments, but I don't. So I'm glad you did. All right. Uh, my number two is it's the car chase from the bank to the fight through the flames in the gas station to the incredible foot chase through the suburbs, through backyards, through kiddie pools, through houses. I mean, at one point, Bodie picks up someone's dog and throws them at Johnny Utah to, to slow him down. And Johnny Utah kicks the dog. Don't tell John Wick. Um, this chase is kinetic. It's reckless. It's intense. The takes are as long as they need to be. There's so many little details in them that are great. There's a, there's a, there's a one take where, uh, Bodie runs into someone's sliding glass door. He shuts the door behind himself. He locks the door. The camera then follows Johnny as he runs up. He grabs a plant to like, <laughs> like a plant to like throw through the glass, but like it only hits the glass like a millisecond before he does. And he comes crashing into it and like knocks over this woman's table. And it's all in one take. Um, and it ends with, again, another great, sexual frustration is uh he can't kill Bodie and Johnny just comes bullets into the sky. Coming bullets. Sure. Oh! Yeah, the foot chase is my number one. I just think it's like an iconic action movie scene. It's like 
It is the action movie foot chase by which all other action foot uh, foot chases are judged in movies. Um, it's incredible filmmaking. I think when Catherine Bigelow, when they filmed this, they had like a special camera. It was like kind of the steady cam, but it was on this like kind of like pogo stick type of steady cam hmm. thing. So it would like go up and down a little bit, but not like super shaky, but shaky enough, you know, so that it like it really felt like you were running along with the camera. And it, like the camera, like it'll just go up over a fence as they're hopping a fence or something. Like mm-hmm. it's really incredible the shots they get. Like it's so visceral. Like it's, it's, I mean, and the throwing the dog, like, like yeah crashing through the the glass like it's i feel like the the bit where like somebody's running through like in a chasing they run through somebody else's house and like the the person is in the house and it's like what the fuck i feel like this movie invented that you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and you're, you're actually right there's some shots where the camera it seems like the camera can do things that the person like you're reminded that there's obviously a camera operator because mm-hmm. you're right there's a part where the shot goes up over the fence and you can see them running past the fence but it doesn't continue from there because clearly like there's a human being holding but it's, that it's camera. cut so well that you don't really know yeah, yeah. But, like that guy like he, he did that like crash through that fence. it doesn't have that like like kind of impossible camera movement right that you know, it's, it's like too real. slick yeah 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 it feels like you're jogging and running right along with the characters there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you said that's your number one that's my number one yeah my number one is is just the ending, man. Like as bonkers as this movie is, like it has this deliciously beautiful psychological ending where nine months later Johnny catches up with Bodie, who's gotten away, and he's he's gonna surf his fifty year storm wave, and everything from their their encounter, their first time they see each other, nine months when he just like finds Bodie, just like staring out at the waves, waiting for his moment. And he like tosses the Reagan mask down and like, did you lose something, bra? And they fight, and it's like Johnny's got all this pent up rage, and he seems to have the upper hand, and then he's losing it. Like Bodie's like literally drowning him, mm. and Johnny has this great move where like one Bodie brings brings his hand up from the water, he's handcuffed. <laughs> and it's like, like John, like whatever you do to Johnny, like even if you kill him, like you have to deal with this body, and so yada yada yada. He lets him go surf the wave because he's not coming back from that. Vicon Diaz. Yeah, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, those are our top moments. Any complaints? So I have some make some changes, but my only real complaint right now, other than my my make some changes, is and I know why. It has to be the way because the way the movie is. But Tyler disappearing for like forty five minutes. Yeah. Like losing Lori Petty. Like she's. I don't know. She's just like this great third lead in a certain aspect of the story. And, and you, you understand why she has to go away, but oof, I miss her. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Other than that, I can't say how many complaints about this movie. I feel like it's all, it's I feel like this was back in an era when the action movies were, they were dumb action movies, but like, I don't know, they were considered, you know, like mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they really thought about like the stupid logic on which their movies operated. And there wasn't a lot of like extra fat or, just kind of like pandering, you know, it's like, well, this, we're going to make this make sense within the world of the movie, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, for as brilliant as Bigelow always is like visually, like from, from what I read, like she spends a lot of fucking time with that script. Mm -hmm. Like I doubt that there's like a deleted scene, you know? Yeah. I couldn't even imagine like, I'm sure there's a reason it would be deleted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's there's so many things that like they come up and they're just paid off in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Schrodinger's knee or not Schrodinger's knee, uh, Chekhov's knee. <laughs> He's got a bad knee. Bad knee. Yeah. 
spent 90 degrees the other direction. All right. Uh, let's just get into some general discussion then. I think we've already discussed how Catherine Bigelow is the shit. She's the fucking shit. I wish she would do more movies. I don't want to watch. Was it? Is it called Detroit? It's like Detroit. Some that just looks like really, really bleak and like not enjoyable. You know, there's somebody in that. That's yeah, Will Poulter. Boyega's Boy oh. in it. Yeah, he's in it. Will, who's Will Poulter? Is he he's, the guy from uh, Maze Runner? Yeah. Is he the Midsummer guy? Maybe. Midsummer? I'm not sure. Okay. Um. Yeah, like Zero Dark Thirty is just breathtaking. I mean, I don't know if you're a fan of it. I feel like my my early Bigelow crush was not just um, Point Break, but I'm like a huge fan of Strange Days. I like love that movie back in the day. I've seen all of it. I know you love it. I haven't seen all of it. I fucking love that movie. It's like Ray Fiennes and Angela Bassett. Um, you like sell memories or dreams I or something? I want to watch that again now. I wonder how. I feel like it would resonate. It's like. It's all about like um, you can like record memories, basically. Like you can record your experiences, like drugs. Yeah, it's it's like a drug essentially because it's black mm. market and it's like there's like you know obviously like the experience of like you know someone having sex with somebody else and there's like black market like snuff shit, you know, like somebody like mm. you know dying or killing okay. someone. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird fucking movie. It's um, like the millennium. It it's like 1999 in L.A. Like you know New Year's Eve and it's like the it's like all like. LA police brutality stuff going on. Like it's nuts, but I love it. I mean, do you, do you want to like get into that after the Batman movies and just like do it on the podcast? Or is it too, too period, too esoteric. That might be one of our more esoteric. I mean, I don't know. We did the fucking boy next door. So, you know, I feel like, we <laughs> I, do I feel like no, I feel like, like talking about how like majority of this audience found us because of a love of PLL mm-hmm. boy next door was like right in their fucking sure. house. <laughs> is it? I think it wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. I think, though, like, okay, here's my thing about that episode. I think if you had watched that movie, recorded that episode, and we hadn't released that episode, and then sometime later you had a few drinks and we re-recorded another episode, you would have had more fun, like, tearing that movie down. Maybe. I don't know. I just I just didn't like the movie. I just was like, this sucks. But, I mean, because it's, it's absolutely a contemptible movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the original title for Point Break was Johnny Utah. Yeah, Point Break's a better title. And then they wanted to call it Riders on the Storm. Riders on the Storm's not terrible. But, but it's, it's like, okay, that's a door song that we yeah. don't play any door songs in this. But I mean, point break, uh, they even work it in the movie at one point when Keanu's yeah. describing the beach. Nice point break. Yeah. Um, real fancy, like, credits thing at the beginning where like, the two two titles or the two words of the titles collide as do the names of the stars, like, colliding, what? merging, two surfers passing the night. How do you feel like the uh, stunt surfers in this movie? How do you feel about um, them? They're really good. There is a shot of the of one of the guys who's playing Bodie. Are you talking about the uh, the stunt surfing surfers for the photography, or are you talking about the stunt surfers that she cast as actual characters in the movie? Yes. Because <laughs> there's a shot where like they really hold on a guy who's like playing Bodie surfing a wave, and he gets real close to the camera, and he is not Patrick Swayze. <laughs> I mean, and you're pretty like, sure he's not, but there's like enough like mist or whatever that you can kind of like ignore it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, I that, there's like, definitely shots where it's like, yes, that is the actors, you know. Right. I love that two of the gang are just surfers that she liked. Oh like, yeah, the the like, they don't even really, gang. Like, yeah, like you don't. Even, no, no, not even. Warshops oh, the, do you mean the the next presidents? Yeah, yeah. And like they don't even. You don't even really see them in particular surfing. She just liked them. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Well, the one guy Gromit, that guy is definitely like surfer bro vibes going on. Yeah. Very I'm authentic. Gonna, I'm not going to live to see 30. <laughs> nice flex. No, you're not Gromit. Yeah. Um, but Keanu is so interesting in this movie. Like if you watch this movie and just tell yourself, okay, he's not a bad actor. And like watch it and like just question his choices. They're they're so fascinating to me. Like I think his character is broken from the beginning. Oh yeah. I am an FBI agent. Uh you can't tell he's broken because he's like young and pretty and like starting. Well, you can tell by his bedroom. We'll we'll get to that later. Um let's talk about John C. McGinley in this movie. John C. McGinley is what I love about his character is he's He's almost playing this character like so intensely like farcical and the movie never stops to say this is a comedy. He's so all in on like the angry like police chief stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. It's like every time you see him, he's just yelling at these guys. You know nothing. In fact, you know less than nothing. If you knew that you knew nothing, then you'd be something, but you don't. Mm -hmm. And he wants his, he wants his people to like, he wants, he's really fucking cares about what his people eat in his FBI office, (laughs) that they maintain their quote unquote sound cardiovascular health. So Keanu's like, I take the skin off chicken. And he eats his fucking donut to like fuck (laughs) with him. This, it was the last time I watched this where I was like, Keanu fucking hates this guy from the beginning. I never picked up on that. No, he's fucking with him right away. Yeah. 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 He's fucking with him right away. Also, what is a blue flame? You don't know what a blue flame special is? Is it like your you're hot and new? What is that? No. Oh, this is interesting. You don't okay. know this. Um, so the blue flame special is um, it's like uh, when dudes try to light their farts on fire. Okay, I knew that aspect, but is, I mean, this movie uses it twice to imply this is an actual expression the law enforcement would use. I guess so. So he's a real blue flame special. That's why he's young, dumb, and full of cum. Yeah. We uh we stole that line for our first script. Did we? Yeah. I the principal describes that these fucking kids at this high school where people were being murdered by a guy in a mask. It's like, you don't know what to do with these fucking kids. They're young, dumb, and full of cum. Hmm. Um, There's a great line here. Uh, does, and I have to ask you now, does Los Angeles have a real asshole shortage? No. Not so far. <laughs> uh, can we talk about the look of the ex-presidents? Please. The, the best bank robbery mask ever. Some of the best movie masks ever, I would say. The What they do with the Reagan mask is genius. It feels fairly transgressive. I mean, it's it's simple, and mm-hmm. yet... Like just the image of like Nixon and Reagan, LBJ and Carter, like running around with guns, you know, like, Oh, and if you're not clear, they tell you, we've been fucking you for years. We just yeah. thought we'd do it some more. Yeah. But they, they cut the mouth slit and Reagan a little bit more. Cause obviously Swayze's characters is the one who talks the most. Mm-hmm. So he needs to be able to use his mouth. But like, it's the point where like, you can see him like stick his tongue out of it a few times and they're not afraid you can to see like, his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. They're not afraid to like, let him keep the mask on for a while and just use his eyes. And his clearly, I mean, it could be another actor like doing it, you know, and, and he could be coming up for the inserts, but like, I feel like the physicality of Reagan, the mask on is still sways. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like you watch like a modern superhero movie. They're also like trying to take the mask off like constantly. This yeah, movie yeah. is not afraid to leave the mask on for like a whole action sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, and, and when we first see, their robbery like we cut from 
the physique of Gary Busey chiseled for marble as he is Mm -hmm. to this great series of close-ups of the ex-president getting like situated in the car. Like the first thing you see is like a dude's like muscular chest. He's like putting on the bulletproof vest and loading guns, just the little, like, I don't know, tactile details of the robbery that she focuses on. It is interesting that the ex-presidents bring loaded weapons. Yeah. Like they're not so kind of hippie, you know, in the summer that they wouldn't like come packing heat and like have bulletproof vests on. Right. They're there for business. And they know how to use those weapons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're, they, they only take the money that's in the drawer of the bank tellers. They can tell which bundles have the die packs. They never go for the safe. They never get greedy. I mean, like other than this movie, all of my knowledge of like practical bank robbery Mm -hmm. etiquette comes from out of sight. See, I, I think I'm just all this movie. Like, you got to get in and get out quick. You never go for the safe. You got to watch out for the die pack, you know? Well, because in Out of Sight, in the first one, in the first robbery in that, he's like, you know, please don't hand me the thing at the die pack. I don't want the very last bill on the thing, because that's always the one that's, like, marked or whatever. Like, there's some very, like, specific, like, I've been around the block. Yeah, I'm just about, you got to park the car right in front of the bank, but leave it running. It'll look like it was just parked from far away, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just fucking Swayze in this like the the Bodhi is such a great affect like he's equal parts fascinated and like homicidally bemused by things <laughs> um so there's a dude who's like like his move is his fetish is like mooning like he likes to write slogans on his butt cheeks I think that, that's, that's grommet that might be grommet it seems like more of a grommet thing I'm trying to remember who the others are I'm like I'm trying, who's Roach Gromit's Gromit's LBJ. Yeah, yeah, I know Roach. Yeah, Uh, Gromit is LBJ. I know that for sure. And I think Nathaniel is uh, is he Jimmy Carter? That guy is a surfer who to to train the actors in Blue Crush. Yeah, he's Jimmy Carter. Roach is Nixon. Gromit is LBJ. Yeah, yeah, because Gromit gets shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so his billboard is his ass. He likes to like show off his ass, like whether he's robbing a bank or just hanging 10, here's my ass with his, uh, tan. Uh, that's what part of the theory that they're surfers. You know, we, we haven't talked really about the scene where Johnny Utah antagonizes Pappas into telling him his theory. It's feel good. Doesn't it? Yeah. That's a beautiful shot of Mulholland Drive. They too. are ghosts. Yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, it's here's a classic like LA like Mulholland Drive shot. As as we find out in Angelo's timeline of having been in LA, mm-hmm. how much LA has changed. The air got dirty and the sex got clean. <laughs> I don't know what that means. All the like the jocular talk amongst the FBI people, they're just constantly like cursing at each other and they all hate well, each other. Or it's always sexual. It's yeah. always just like when you guys are done like jerking off to MTV over here. Um, yeah, so Angelo, the way he describes the getaway car, they leave the car around, so it looks like a party. He said they dump the car and then they vanish like a virgin on prom night. <laughs> He's just full of great lines, yeah, yeah. like yeah. a virgin on prom night. And then one FBI agent with a flat top is hilarious. Like, he does a pretty good, like, like Michelangelo esque surfer guy impression. And then later, when uh, Gary Busey's explaining the theory. He really does jump up on that desk. I like went like frame by frame. Like, yeah, that's not, it's not like a quick cut. That dude jumps up on a desk. Yeah. Cocaine. (laughs) Um, 
But yeah, you can tell Angelo's like the cooler, older fuck-up agent. He doesn't mm-hmm. wear a tie like the others. And then halfway through the movie, he transitions full-time to like Tommy Bahama shirts. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, just part of the undercover gig, you know? I guess, yeah. He is an incredible improvisational uh, actor in this, like uh, the character of Pappas. Yeah, like the, yeah. the way he like manages to come up with bullshit to like keep the cover intact, you know? Yeah, yeah. You see the kid of car, right? car stereo? Yeah. You see a little dog running through here? Yeah, Snoopy. Yeah. Uh, yeah so he's, a, he's a Vietnam vet, we find out. Um, I just, I wonder half the time, like, like, is a lot of this also improvised by Gary Busey or, or what is it like when you give Gary Busey a script? Do you just hope that you're <laughs> going to get the dialogue back on camera? It really does seem like he was made to be like one half of a buddy cop duo, you know? Yeah. Best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what I'm wondering. The, the scene where Tyler and Indicott there, the scene where she is like changing clothes, like just with a towel. Was that mm-hmm. as like formative a moment in your sexual awakening as it was for me? You bet your fucking ass. God, she's so hot in this movie. She's incredibly hot in this movie. Like this really stirred up some shit for me that I don't know if I've exercised. And I don't know if I want to, but um, also it's so telling of what, like he's the hero of the movie. He's this good natured guy from Ohio. He's also a fucking creep. Who's watching her change on the side of the road with uh, binoculars. Johnny Utah from Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, on one hand, I'm just like, yeah, God damn. Like uh, Lori Petty is fucking like, amazing. She's so sexy. And then it's like, I like, later on, I'm like, Oh yeah, he's totally voyeuristically watching her. I love the bit where he's trying to like talk her into teaching him, and she's like, "This is the line, right?" Yeah, she's like the sexy punk version of Peppermint Patty, I guess. I don't know. I can't think of Peppermint Patty sexually, so sure. Uh, I'm trying to remember what's the line from the Honest Trailers thing: uh, "Manic Pixie Tank Girl." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some good like learning to surf montages. I like yeah. the, you know, it's like she, she starts them out simple, just like how to like stand up on a board, you know, and they're mm-hmm. paddling out there. The, the little bit where they're just kind of like splashing each other. It's like a little flirting, uh, you know, going on mm-hmm. for getting to know each other better. And like the first wave he catches, it's not like he immediately rides a tube or something, you know. Yeah, it's very tiny. Yeah, it's just a, it's a little wave, like just enough for him to stand up and like not fall off his board. Well, and I love that, like, the start of it is just, like, she has him, like, doing, like, mountain climbers or something. Like, to fucking, like, on the sand. Like, how to, like, pop up on your board yeah. before you even get in the water. Pretty good surfing instructor. Yeah, she's incredible. For somebody who seemingly wanted nothing to do with this guy and just took on the job well, it's like the day her, before. Her real job is just to, like, work at a roadside, like, like uh truck stop eatery or something like that yeah it's just like slinging burgers where like you just, can order just to make enough to serve fries. Yeah. Yeah. yeah presumably i wonder if she got left like a lot of money or where does she live yeah you i don't know? think we actually see her place we no we about that yeah we see his place i mean we I, watched this to, together a week ago we did yeah and we were fascinated to find that my cat was also mesmerized by Patrick Swayze. Who wouldn't be? Yeah, seriously. Ellen, what do you think sex of Keanu is like? Do you think he like lights a bunch of like incense first? 
You know, I never considered it. You really should. Hmm. What are you going to ask? I'm going to think about it now. Um, yeah. I love how all the the uh, surfers know who this college football player is. Yes. Yes. They're like, oh, yeah, the Rose Bowl. I mean, I guess it's like an L.A. thing, so maybe they would have watched. But the way it diffuses the, like, he's just gone out. He's, like, body checking everyone on the fucking football field or the beach. Mm-hmm. Like, he's body checking the fuck out of these people trying to get at Bodie. He sheds, like, 12 tacklers, yeah. Yeah. Like, or blockers. crushes him into the waves. This should be a fight. Everyone else is running up, wanting it to be a fight. And this was Bodie, like, who's beforehand never mentioned he's recognized him. He's like, whoa, no fights? Don't you know who this is? <laughs> Yeah, Johnny Utah. They all, run, they all run up like, "What the fuck's your problem, man?" He's like, "Hey, don't you know who this guy is? It's Johnny yeah. Utah." And they're like, "Oh yeah, it's Johnny Utah." And it's like it's this. This is probably like the craziest leap of logic. Number nine, like the guy knows the number. Yeah, he knows all the stats and shit. It's like I, I wanted like some kind of even like you know I suspected, but I didn't know for sure until like you the way you tackled me into the waves or whatever. This movie doesn't need to bother with that. It just no, goes. no, you're you're just fucking in. But also, they do that thing where it's like a bunch of people with like jeeps, like lining this part of the beach with their headlights on, like lighting the thing. It seems there's like it'd be hard of, to see. There's a lot of fucking people there who yeah. are not. Playing. Yeah, they've got a. I mean, there's a lot of people in that game too. Like, yeah. there's like like linemen in the game. Like just a weird cult of Bodhi. Mm-hmm. Bodhisattva. Um, also, I really like the uh, what's her name, Mrs. Deer the like computer expert, the FBI. Oh yeah. Who's like just there to like help him with computer shit and help him like catfish, uh, Tyler and Endicott. Right. Like they're reading her priors and it's like decent exposure inside a moving vehicle. And she's like hot, very hot. <laughs> and then Papa's is just like five, five, 120 pounds. Oh God! Also, six a.m. is way too early for me to do anything, including. Oh, I can't. Yeah, I, it's unimaginable to me. Also, I'm so relieved that this movie has it has a lot of like generic 1990 bullshit music. There's like one Jimi Hendrix song and a lot of like not even GNR. I mean, if but, I like, would, if LA I would, guns. Like, if I would say there's song. like one complaint about this movie made for me, it's that like the music doesn't feel exactly right. It yeah. feels a little too hair metal. Yeah, not, not like super hair metal, but like trending in that direction. But but with that, I will say, thank fuck, I don't have to listen to like Miserloo or like Surf Rock. That wouldn't have felt right either, yeah. Because these guys don't give a fuck about that shit. I, I guess guy. you probably needed more like actual Guns and Roses, I guess. You know, you that, that was LA Guns. That's when you can't afford GNR, yeah. you get LA Guns. Um, but there's a montage when like the music playing when he's uh, like training with her. The chorus of this bullshit song is just like, I will not fall. Yeah. Yeah. That that feels like it could have been in like the Bill and Ted soundtrack, you know. Oh, she's describing Bodie when you see the first time with the stunt surfer who's clearly not the Swayze. I can't understand if she's she's describing Bodie what he does. If she says he's a real surgeon or he's a real searcher, I think searcher. Okay, because he's the kind of guy who'd search for the perfect wave. It's looking for the source. I love that he, yeah, I love that he, like, he thinks Johnny's a fucking joke until the football game. Yeah, well, and then there's a line afterwards where somebody mentions that he's a lawyer, and one of, I think it's, like, Roach or Grauman is like, lawyers don't serve, and then Bodie says, this one does. Yeah. Also, so, he met Tyler Ann Endicott at 6 a.m., 
She trained him all day. Surfing. Well, I don't know. That's the question. They surf for a while. It's daytime. And then they're going to play football and it's night again. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they went for burgers or something somewhere in there. But yeah, that's an all day experience. With the Patrick's Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. Some apparently, this is all, apparently, this is all like in Malibu. And apparently, that's a real place in Malibu. Patrick's Roadhouse? Yeah. I thought that was just a reference to Roadhouse. Apparently, it's a real restaurant. Mm. Okay. Uh, but yeah, she's, she's, man, she's so good. She's like what Marla Singer wishes she was. Burn Marla Singer. Yeah. And she's a little more engaged than Marla Singer is. Yeah. Marla Singer's really just there for the sex. Mm-hmm. Been fuck like that since grade school. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the way Bodie has like this like surf kung fu that he does. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's got the wetsuit, but it's like peeled down to his abs. And it's like mm-hmm. the arms are hanging loose. And like, he has like weird like surfing martial arts when they get in the fight with War Child's gang. It's great. Mm-hmm. He's doing like these like little roundhouse kicks and stuff. Yeah, there's like well, even uh, War Child has the bit where he gets his like leg up real high and like kicks Johnny like right in the chest. Hmm. Um, I saw something where where like Keanu's like said a lot of the same things in interviews over the years, and it's like uh, they talk about stunts, and he's just like, I don't do stunts. I do physical acting. <laughs> hey, own um, it, own it, Keanu. Yeah, when uh, he brings the surfboard to work, we've got a city to burn. Yeah, the uh, the John C. McGinley line there. Oh, I got all the quotes later. I'm, I'm trying to hold off on the quotes now because I got so many queued up. But yeah, it's uh, great. It's just the. I want to. I want to act out that whole scene. Okay, cool. There. Um, I love. There's like a really long like POV wonder when they're entering Bodie's party, and it's just like Johnny Utah's looking around at like kind of like all the like counterculture that's going on there. It's like Gromit's uh-huh. like starts like doing this weird thing where he's like dancing to the camera and whatnot. Uh, it's like. Welcome to the experience you've been missing, Johnny Utah, like straight laced American boy from Ohio. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is part of the seduction. I like that you completely skipped over the uh testing the hairs because surfers are territorial. Oh yeah. They're constantly being kicked out of their beaches because of industrial waste spills. And then at one point we see like Latigo Beach, I guess, or whatever, and there's like a fucking like industrial like power plant like right <laughs> next door. It's like fucking Chernobyl behind them. Yeah. Like that fucking Pink Floyd out minus the flying pig. But yeah, like the two guys hot boxing under a towel. The Tigo Beach. Nice point break. Uh, but yeah, a lot of toxic masculinity. I mean, to the point where one dude, because he because he like bumps him in the water, he punches Johnny in the face, cuts his cord. And that's when we get like War Child and fucking Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> who is a, uh, wow, he should be serving a jail sentence for that haircut. Anthony Kiedis. I feel like he pops up in like every 10 movies that are made in LA. It's like you're required to like throw Anthony Kiedis in there or flee one of the two. Him or his dad. Yeah. 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 Um, but like just the, the, the little bits of Swayze, like I said, the homicidal amused when Angelo shows up, cause he's like running over to rescue Johnny and he sees that he's fine. And he's just like, Oh, Hey, did a kid run in here through like a car stereo? And like it's the Swayze has this great like LOL look on his face. Like, yeah, I hope you find him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, that's why he's such an interesting antagonist. It's not like he's pure evil or anything like that. You know, yeah. it's like oh. he he's really just has this whole ethos about, you know, like surfing and kind of, you know, like not being a slave to, you know, the economy and all that bullshit, you know, like wage slave, all that. Riding waves of state of mind. It's the place where you lose yourself and find yourself. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but like like fucking Warchild's crew, we see them on the road. They 
they're like acting like they're in the fucking mad how are they not getting pulled over yeah yeah jesus christ like there's, they, a, like, there's a bit where they like they pull up onto like the just the front lawn of their, like, their pad and you can clearly hear someone go ow mm-hmm. and so they're like getting bounced in the back mm-hmm. i keep waiting for the imdb trivia to be like anthony keeps has a back problem from that yeah. scene you know yeah so Bodie's party those folks are all 100 percent freaks there's well, a great bit too where ooh, this should have been on my top moments when Bodhi comes in, or uh, Johnny Utah comes in of Tyler, like she's kind of his date. They see mm-hmm. Bodhi as some other chick where he's like, she's holding the lime in her mouth and he's like licking her chest and like drinking his tequila, taking the lime from her mouth. So is it like the salt is on her chest, I guess, right? I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tyler's like, I taught him that trick. And the chick's like, I like it. So then Bodhi to Johnny about Tyler says, watch her. She's a wild one. Well, and then he, like Johnny like looks at her like, are you a wild one? And she just shakes her head like, no. There's also a moment here. I want to say he says something like, you know, like, welcome to my boat or whatever. What's mine is yours. But he's like looking right at Tyler as he says yeah. it. It's like, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that in this particular moment, Bodie's looking to swing a threesome of Johnny and his ex. But I think he'd like to watch. He's clearly communicating that like, I'm okay with this. Like, don't worry about me, brah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and also boundaries are fluid yeah so the party then what i love too about Bodie is he does that cool thing that cool guys do at parties that they throw where he disappears where they just take their vips and like they like <laughs> to depart so they move the party outside by the fire presumably everyone else is still inside being counterculture listening to gromit telling like surf stories and your balls man they're like this big yeah yeah Talking about the the fifty year storm, I love that Tyler's the one who keys up that conversation. Like you know, she's fucking heard this story a oh, thousand. Check off fifty year storm, yeah, man. Yeah, um, and boy's like, you want the ultimate, you got to pay the ultimate price. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. Um, Hell, I'm not going to live to see thirty. And then Tyler's just like, eh, too much testosterone here. Yeah, she's yeah. like, fuck this macho bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then Bodie's just like, hey, check it out. I have a stealth surfboard. Let's go night surfing. Yeah, here's my my shiny black surfboard. Like, I don't want to... I think it would be sexist to say that Tyler is, like, the voice of the director just because this director happens to be a Mm. woman. Because Catherine Bigelow clearly also loves the, like, macho guy bullshit and how she can play with it. Uh You know, I mean... I'm not saying that she's not the voice of her, but she, she she could be, she couldn't be. Also, there's like a thousand fucking like dollars and candles in that house. There's a lot of candles. Yeah, no realize. Yeah, I don't. I, from the interviews I've seen with Catherine Bigelow, I do not get a Tyler vibe from her at all. You know? No, I don't. I don't mean like that's her affect. Yeah, yeah. But I mean just like commenting like all this fucking testosterone, all that shit. Like, I don't know. And she's um, definitely there to let the audience know. You know, it's like she's she's there to remind the audience that like this is some like just some macho bullshit that has that's happening occasionally. You know, right? My theory is that Bodie's squatting in this house. No, I think they're probably renting. Hmm. I mean, because that's what they're in the summer. You know, bank robberies are all about. They can just go like afford a beach house. Yeah, I guess this is uh, so what you do. This is like uh, um, oh shit, what's that fucking service that people do? This Airbnb. is like your uh, your bank robbery Airbnb. Yeah, um, it definitely yeah, so seems like, like the kind of beach house where like. They paid it for the summer and like anyone who wants to sleep there can probably, you know, it's just like constant party house. Yeah. Um, Just to just this exchange I have to share. Like, I don't know if they're in Bodie's 
bedroom or it's like his weird shrine to surfing with all the thousands yeah. of fucking candles. But Johnny follows Tyler there and she's, you got that kamikaze look, Johnny. I've seen it. Bodhi can see it from a mile away. He'll take you to the edge, past it. And then Bodhi just shows up in like a robe and he's just like, Johnny has his own demons. Don't you, Johnny? <laughs> Johnny has his own demons. Don't you, Johnny? Like, just try that in your life. Just go up to, to people. <laughs> With this like, like perfect like surfer feathered hair. Yeah. <laughs> That like frames his face. It's so fucking weird to think that this guy was fucking Dalton. Yeah, I know. Roadhouse. Couldn't be any more different. One one detail I love when they go like stealth surfing at night is that uh we oh, sorry, what's that? We gotta talk about Rosie. Oh yeah, we gotta talk about Rosie. Real quick, I just remembered from the scene where they're in like the weird shrine to like uh the extremeness of Bodhi, you mm-hmm. see there's a picture of him uh in like skydiving gear so it's like a little foreshadowing there oh yeah it's yeah. like it's nicely, kind of like the beginning of a uh, rear window it's nicely <laughs> built in so it isn't like a complete surprise later yeah but no rosie lighting the fire when they're self-surfing he like stabs a bunch of holes in like a can of lighter fluid and like pours it all over a bunch of wood and lights it on fire and like at some point like his own leg catches on fire and he's just like <laughs> waving it around his leg catches on fire because he keeps waving his fucking leg into the fire. And he is in no hurry to put that out. No, he keeps doing it. He does it when they go to surf. Yeah. When they come back from surfing, he's still doing it. Also, it's seemingly every sip of like his bottle of like JD, he then spits into the yeah. fire. <laughs> also, that actor is, if you've ever seen Generation Kill, he's the reporter from Generation Kill, which is just amazing. Did we ever figure out who he was in Wayne's World? He's in Wayne's World, I believe. Yeah, but I can't remember who he was. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, through the stealth surfing, they just leave uh, Johnny Utah and Tyler out there because they're going to start making out on their surfboards in the middle of the ocean. And then they just wake up naked on a sandy beach under some towels. Like, does that happen in L.A.? Like, if I go out at 5 a.m., is that what you witness on the beaches every day? I don't know. I feel like you'd probably get arrested these days. Yeah, I think you need to go have an experience where you really get some sand in some mm-hmm. places. Yeah, I don't know about that. Just get some sand like right up there, and just try to be amorous about it while you're while you're like, ooh, oh, oh. I yeah. feel like that was something that happened a lot in the '90s, like '90s movies, like people waking up on beaches or like in minute work, just like mm-hmm. people waking up handcuffed to each other. All my my understanding of LA. Beach culture comes from Men at Work, this movie, and Fletch. <laughs> They're seen Fletch. Which, honestly, fucking on a beach is really no different than being a transient on a beach, right? It's just a lot of sand. You never seen Fletch, really? No, never saw it. Fletch is the only time that Chevy Chase has not been insufferable. Yeah, never saw Fletch, never saw The Lion King. All right, so what is, is that like a cry for attention? Like, what do you what it's are you doing? Cry there? for attention? I just I never I don't know. Like, I I was a little too old, you know. Like, I was like thirteen or fourteen when the movie came out, and it was like not cool to watch Disney movies. So everybody has this nostalgia for it. I do not. See that crazy that that's crazy to me because we went to the same schools for most of it. Like, you're younger than me. In junior high, I remember still teachers would be like, "Fuck it, I just got this Disney movie on VHS. We're watching this for two class periods. I got nothing." I know this is a history class or I know this is a math class. I don't care. I, there's several of those Disney movies that I saw like I, in junior high because there was nothing else. To I just do. think there's a very fine dividing line between 
98 and 99, like class-wise? Well, um, hmm. well, one of us has had uh, sand in uncomfortable places and the other hasn't. So hmm. there you go. Hmm. Um, so at one point where they're surfing, there's like some fucking great like ADR of people like talking, like conversing while surfing. It's like you're not going to be able to fucking hear each other. There's a little like hang 10. Yeah. Oh, there's a point where like he's like like it's like solidified that Johnny is being seduced by Bodie's, you know, wave with the primal the power of the surfing, universe. yeah. And he yells, uh, I'm fucking surfing. Oh yeah. And then he's late to his own bust. Yeah, he wakes up uh, you know, after a fucking tie. Like they're presumably they can't be nude. Oh my god. No, she I mean, has she has something on. She's got like a like a I don't know, a slip on or something. Fucking in the beach is one thing, man. But like, you couldn't pay me to sleep naked on the beach. I mean, they do really sell the uh, like he's got to get out of here. Oh shit, he's so late. And then he like keeps coming back for more smooches. Like, I feel like yeah. it goes on just the right amount, so it's not annoying. But it's like clear that like he's totally into her. He's totally into her. He's fucking alive for the first time. I think she can totally smell that on him. But also, it's really nailing like the like not bullshit excuse where it's like i'm gonna leave and we're never gonna yeah. talk again like he's like he's like communicating like i'm clearly smitten yeah also i've got sand in places i'm gonna be shaking out and um, i have to go to a bust <laughs> johnny utah really should not be at this rate like all he can do is blow his cover well he's been raging like a maniac all night but also they just left like flat top guy and his other guy to like take over the night shift for the stakeout and they're also at the raid so yeah, they've like, been up all night. and then Maybe Angelo's the only one who's gotten sleep. Yeah. Whatever that means to <laughs> Gary Busey of any era. Um, so inside the the house of the raid, they're all scattered around. I love that you have, like, again, Chekhov's lawnmower. Yeah, the like lawnmower. A, you have, like, Johnny Utah has this, like, weird kit of, like, I don't know, smart guy FBI tools. And he's got, like, a little like, mirror that he can extend. The fucking, like, dental mirror. Yeah. yeah. But, like... You hear, you see the lawnmower, like the neighbor's fucking like mowing his yard of his old timey lawnmower, and it's like we can't fucking hear this important detail being yelled at us over the radio because of the lawnmower. Well, and then later, the fight will involve like someone's face almost being like pushed into that lawnmower. Well, and also a key detail with the lawnmower guys that he has like these earmuffs on, which explain why he isn't like running away when all these gunshots break out. You know? Yeah, yeah. So they're watching before they jump in. Anthony Kiedis is listening to music in bed more intently and violently than I have ever listened to music in my life. <laughs> it's like some, yeah, real like scream metal and like yeah. just like pounding his fists on the bed. Yeah, as he will listen. I mean, I made some comments about the Bodie's house party. This house is 100% fucking freaks. There's girls in laundries. There's a hot girl in the shower who might be Denise from Roadhouse. Pretty sure that's Denise from Roadhouse. Yeah. Um, who's awesome in her scene because she gets, she's, Pulled out of that shower during the raid, completely butt ass naked. Completely she naked, beats the, the shit. Fuck. She kicks the fuck out of Johnny. Like, he doesn't even yeah. get like a, a hit in. And she goes after another guy. Um, also, I looked her up. If this is indeed her, because she is in this movie, her character is credited as Freight, Freight Train. Train. Yeah, I'm pretty right. sure it's her. I like pause it at one point. It looks very, very similar. <laughs> She even manages like to stab the one guy in the back a few times. I was wondering, like, did that guy just die or what? Yeah, that's a good question. Anthony Kiedis literally shoots himself in the foot. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Just blows There's his that, foot uh, apart. They're like they so they have the, like these guys are like what camera are they crack dealers? Meth dealers? Uh crystal meth. Crystal meth. 
figures. Yeah, Papa's really like he improvs some bullshit about his lost dog for like three minutes straight or something. Like he just goes yeah. on and on. Have you seen my dog? You sure I can come inside? I see you like, and this lady's just like, get the fuck out of here! I haven't seen your fucking dog, you know. And he just keeps going and going and going. So these guys have like a whole fucking massive arsenal of guns and got here. an arsenal. Yeah, I love the the bit though. Like they're tooled up, ready to kill this motherfucker at the door. They're waiting for him to flash a badge because they assume that he's a cop. Like they can smell raid to come. Um, one of the guns, I don't know, I don't know fucking guns, but one of the guns, it's like a shotgun Tommy there, gun. There's one of the guns I, I've only ever seen this gun like used in movies and comic books in the nineties. I've never seen it ever again since. It's like this weird, like it's almost like a futuristic gun compared to the other guns. Um. Warchild has the one that looks like it's a grenade launcher, but it's just like some kind of like shotgun Tommy gun, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uncredited Tom Sizemore. They, yeah, like it's almost like it's, this is the documentary footage where they just filmed in a real crack house, and Tom Sizemore was there. You think I like this hair, man? Yeah, this is one of his first roles, I think. Yeah, uh, which is this has become his life later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just I fucking love. He's just like. Let me ask you a fucking question. How are these guys robbing some bank on this day when they were in Fort fucking Lauderdale? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, basically DEA agent who's like on this like months long bus. These guys just fucked up. Yeah, because they Johnny thought that Warchild and his his like psycho gang was the ex presidents when like they're clearly not because they're like too wild. You know, it's like the ex presidents are like way too like controlled. But so they they raid these guys. It's the wrong crew. You may not know it when you first look at them but the ex-presidents there's a finesse there is yeah and this scene would then later be ripped off by uh fast and furious where they like raid the one dude who like has shitloads of dvds in like a warehouse but it, it's oh, like guy, yeah. it's like no 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 he's got receipts for all those and you're like okay sure he's just what like wholesaling up, dvds sure what cracked me up if i remember that correctly was they keep cross-cutting between that scene and Fast and the Furious where they're raiding this guy's like warehouse. Oh, and it's, it's like... With the sex scene between Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez. But no, then after that, though, there's like this stupid sequence where it's like the police are raiding the, uh, the, the falsely accused guy's house and it's like he's embarrassed in front of his family and it's like all slow motion and dramatic. Like, that movie's so fucking stupid. I've only seen that first one... Uh, for the once in theaters with you when it first came out, mm-hmm. um, I've seen I think I've seen Too Fast, Too Furious maybe twice. There's a beautiful love story there between Paul Walker and Tyrese. That movie's really just like Grand Theft Auto, the movie. I don't think I've seen a single one of them since. No, I've lucky. seen like maybe four or five minutes of of uh, I don't even know like the fifth or sixth one. Like they, the the main people don't come back to the fourth one, right? The third one's in Tokyo. Yeah, the third one's in Tokyo. And then what point do they become like? The greatest, it's really the robbing one. secret agents, yeah. superheroes of all time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, fuck anyway. that movie. Uh, I like how we we get a shot of Johnny Utah's apartment. It's like he's lying there awake. Tyler's there, kind of like like naked this from the, the waist uh, up, but it's like she's on her back. What's that? This is this is an artsy shot. Like first of all, no L shaped sheets, but like she's just laying like face down. So you're just mm-hmm. seeing like her backside and him, and he's like. Staring up, like I'm thinking my thoughts. But it's like so much about his character there because this is his place because he's got a fucking football alarm clock, football helmet, alarm car. But like it's all black sheets. It's just like and and like there's like a chessboard like end table there, and it's like it's so stark and Spartan. It's like this is 
this is the inner, you know, soul of Johnny Utah right now. It's like so spare. And obviously she's, you know, awakening things inside him here. And me. Um, also, this movie made me think that it'd be cool to have black sheets. And now I don't know. I feel like that's going to show everything. I've had them before. They're fine. I have a cat. I can't have black sheets. What am I saying? Never mind. Mm. Oh, you have a cat? I didn't know that. Yeah. You want to hear more about my cat? Yeah. I have two of them. You want to talk about it? Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, so Bodie's the kind of guy, speaking of the scene, where he just shows up at your place, whatever the fucking time. And he's at just like, like five o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then suddenly has, Johnny, like, finally realizes as he's watching the other four of them surf together, like, oh, this is the, the group within the group that he's been looking for. Well, because Gromit moons yeah. the others at one point. So he has this revelation, this realization. It's weird because Tyler's like, are you all right? Look, he saw a ghost. This is my only, this is my complaint. Yeah. You don't really need Angelo this. saying, forget it, kid. They're ghosts. It's like, you, that doesn't work. It's like, we got it. We got it. We don't, we don't need it. Yeah. So then we find out that Keanu starts like trailing Bodie and he's like, he goes here. He goes there. He goes to Tower Records to buy some CDs. He goes to have lunch at Patrick's Roadhouse, which apparently a real place. Uh, also, so, Okay. We haven't talked about him at all, and I know we should keep it that way, but we have done his movie on the podcast before. This is crazy because this is the time period where Catherine Bigelow is married to James Cameron. Yeah, Presumably, he's attached to the Ridley Scott version. Later on, he's able to basically champion her to get this this director's chair. He's like, she's got While chair. he's making this movie, he's probably having an affair with Linda Hamilton. Because he's making Terminator 2 at the same time. Yeah, Terminator 2 comes out one week before this movie. And, and crushes it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what, then a year later, the two of them get divorced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy that like what diametrically opposed movies this and Terminator Two are. They're both excellent action movies, but like very different. Both LA movies too. Yeah, I mean, I would argue, like she's a better action director. I don't know. James Cameron's pretty good at action. Yeah, I know, I know. But I mean, like, I think she's more kinetic than he is. I would say take the energy from the foot chase in this and apply it to like the nonstop chase sequences that are Terminator movies. But I mean, that's that's just a different vibe, though. I, don't, I wouldn't say one's necessarily better than the other, but like the Terminator is all about like his relentlessness. So it's not really about the the kinetic physicality of it. You know, you know the funny thing, too, is speaking of Cameron's last time I say about Cameron, I've never seen Avatar and I feel like I have just as much knowledge all these years later. Of that movie is the same people who who have seen Avatar. <laughs> I saw. Why once. are we getting like it was fine. three to five know. sequels of this movie? I'm just not really interested in more of like the Navi. I'm just like, okay, I got it. I don't know. Like, do you really need four more movies? Yeah. I am kind of bummed. I really did hope the end game would like crush that box office when it, it was might re-released. still get there. Mm. I don't know. I don't, I don't like the projections yet. So, anyways, uh, at a certain point here, Angelo switched his Tommy Bahama shirts uh, after the foot chase. Um, Johnny's like working the switchboard like his knees all fucked up he's got okay. a leg up on a chair Can I just mentioned so quickly before the foot chase like just the shot when he goes to order those meatball subs where it's just kind of camera camera kind of like pans over behind Johnny Utah like in the background yeah. you see the ex-presidents roll up and run into a, a bank and like by the time he turns back around there's no one there it's just the car here's the best part it doesn't even pan it's the same because there's yeah. a lot of like just like medium shots and two shots this movie and I think that's the genius like she's very She's very sparing about close-ups. And it's really the close-ups are like, we need to see, we need you to know this is Swayze's eyes in the mask. Mm. But yeah, like, it's like he's just doing this thing in the foreground and the car just pulls up. 
And it's so naturalistic. He's just ordering, getting his money out or whatever. And like they said, they just park, run in. 90 seconds later. Yeah. Well, and, then, and like when he goes back to Papa's there, he's like, hey, what do you see that car pull up? And Papa's like, what? And they like run out and get in the car. And he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah Papa's is like, I don't know what this fucking Marmaduke. Um, so after the foot chase, the guy working the switchboard there with Johnny is the food delivery guy from Seinfeld that Elaine hit of her car or whatever. Oh, nice. His cousin Cheryl's the immigration lawyer um, when Jerry has to pretend to be serious. I love that's That's one of my favorite non sequitur Seinfeld moments is uh, when he has to pretend to be serious on the date with her, or the double date with her. And she's like, do you ever cry or, or do you ever, was it laugh or cry? Do you ever laugh? And he's like, sometimes in the tub. <laughs> anyway, um, Iconic image of a uh, Reagan using a gas hose as a flamethrower there. Mm-hmm. Oh, when he's lighting it and the guy who's, he's just stoned up from, and he's like, don't do it, man. Don't yeah. do it, man. Run, run. <laughs> like like a, this guy, this fucking maniac's got a, a mask and a tuxedo on. He's about to do like a flamethrower. And like, there's like a fair chance that this gas station attendant might try to stop it. You know, just fucking run, dude. I like how Tyler is so pissed to find out that Johnny's a fed. But then like later well, when she gets away from Rosie, she's like confessing her love to him. Is she? I mean, she's like really happy to see him. I mean, she did granted just get released from kidnapping, but I, I say we we can when we get there, like we can debate that. But like, there's a great bit before that though, where, where he's trying to tell her the truth of all of this stuff, mm-hmm. and he's like can't stuttering and stuff. When she, he sucks at it, and she's like, "Oh man, they're so bad at this." I think it's because she thinks he's going to tell her that he loves her. Yeah, yeah, probably. And, and she's like, "You you can tell me another time," and then it's like. He goes to sleep and she snoops and finds out that like he's a fed that his parents are. And that's really that's the, the the drawing line. It's like, are your parents even dead? Was that a lie? And it's like, well. So she runs out of his place in just a pajama top that is not. No, that's buttoned. not a pajama top. That's one of his shirts. Oh, just one of his shirts that is not buttoned. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, when I say just, I mean folks. Just nothing. Yeah. yeah. Like she's running out the door. <laughs> like. Wind blowing between her boobs and her bush. Uh, also, you see Keanu's bush in that scene. A little bit, yeah, you do. Yeah. Little little Keanu bush. Yeah. The, really, the pube cast. Mm. <laughs> I like how the bad knee <laughs> always bites Johnny in the ass. Even in that scene, he tries to chase after her, but like his knee goes out on him again. He's such yeah. a fallible hero. So the the best. There's two moments that I think are the best and worst of his acting. It's when he's trying to leave her the voicemail. Right after that. He's so mm. earnest and it comes off as so wooden. Yeah. I, I feel like I've gravitated back and forth to the extremes where I'm like, man, this guy's a fucking terrible actor. Like his best skill is playing a block of wood. And there's times where I'm like, nobody else could play this role as brilliantly as him. I think he just has a certain lane that he needs to stay in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah I think, Dracula's not it. Yeah. I think that, well, cause he can't do accents for shit. Yeah. But why like, would why think, would you even try to make him do an accent? It's Keanu Reeves, you know. Yeah, that was a bad idea. Um, but aging has worked well for him, I think. Like, he's aged himself nicely into like a like a John Wick role. Well, that he can be more physical than verbal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, some great skydiving scenes in this movie really remind me a lot of like Mission Impossible Fallout. Just mm-hmm. like part of the appeal is like, oh, they went and did that, you know. There's a bit like towards the end when it's. You think they're just filming like the back of a van or something. And then like Swayze just takes a step back 
and the camera follows him, and you're like, oh shit, he just jumped out of a fucking airplane for realsies. Yeah, this movie jumped out of an airplane, so the Mission Impossible Fallout could really fucking jump out of an airplane. Um, I think it helps that Swayze was a skydiving nut. I think he became um, a skydiving nut from this movie. Yeah, he said something like, uh, uh, once he realized that it was basically like aerial ballet, like mm-hmm. it just made sense to him. Supposedly he got Gary Busey to go skydiving with him <laughs> after the movie finished. <laughs> Which like see footage of that. that, yeah. Just imagine that, yeah. Uh, just a brown cloud trailing him. Yeah, one guy is skydiving in fins in that sequence because they're going to land in yeah. water. Yeah, and the fins too. Those are like classic, like surfer fins too, like the the blue and yellow ones. So so they make a formation at one point when they're falling. I don't think you have nearly enough time to do that. Like they're holding hands and stuff. I feel like Bodie's like very actively. I don't know if he just wants to like corrupt the system and like johnny utah is the avatar of status quo or if he legitimately like wants to bring johnny along i think he does i think he, he senses that johnny is a kindred spirit kindred? yeah yeah I, and there's like there's a seduction there i mean i don't know if it's homoerotic but it's definitely like erotic and romantic in places this is my like jack and Locke thing or he's just mm-hmm. like you know i don't want to do this alone yeah and then he's got his insurance policy i hate violence man what what technology is that in the back of the van? That's like That's one of those old. Oh, it's, I think it is. Yeah. I think it's like one of those super old school, like portable TVs. Uh, but like, just the, the back and forth though, they've just had this beautiful, you know, sexual scene in the sky and they've landed there. Like they're kind of buddies and they've forgotten about the whole FBI bank robber thing. And he's like, Hey, Johnny, let me just show you something real quick. I got to show you something. It's a little insurance policy. Were you as annoyed at the uh, stupid off-duty cop as I was? Like, I feel like I'm yes. kind of, I'm like rooting for Bodie to blow this guy away. Because I'm this like, guy's a fucking asshole. what are you yeah. doing, you idiot? Just like lie there, like, and like, let them leave. It's not your money. Well, and seriously, and they tell you that, like, you do not need to do this. It's not worth your life. The mm-hmm. bank's going to get their money back just fine. And even the security guards like, don't fucking do it, man. And it's not like they were about to kill someone, you know? No, no. And you should know that. Like, you should, yeah. I mean. It's not just that Bodie's whole thing about basic dog psychology is bullshit. Like, you, as a cop, you should know that shit. Yeah, stupid oh. off-duty cop. You deserve to die. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Why do you think Bodie goes for the safe? I think he's chasing a rush. I think he's an adrenaline junkie who's like, this is the... He, he's got Johnny with him. Johnny with a gun that's empty, making him take part in the robbery with no mask on, totally compromising him. And it's like, he's just feeling it, man. Yeah, I guess like, I read I that differently. Super- I, I think I read it as like he knows this is the end, one way or the other. It'll, yeah, he'll I, never be able to do this again, so he should go for the safe. But I think he wants to go out as high as possible. Mm-hmm. It's totally Johnny's fault that Papas dies. Yeah, he like jumps in front of uh, Bodie there, so Papas can't shoot him. Just like waiting to get shot from behind by Roach. Oh, poor Terry in the bank is totally uh, um, sold out by Mister Duggan. Mm-hmm. That fucker. Also, so I read online a lot of people like think that Gromit's Bodie's brother, mostly because this is real thin. Mm. Gromit calls him bro at the party. Oh, and whoa! Only <laughs> sit down, process that one. Somebody <laughs> called somebody else bro in this movie. <laughs> this is your JFK moment. And then when Gromit's been shot, Bodie refers to him as little brother. I think that's thin. I'd say it's extremely thin. Yeah. Also, the guy playing Gromit's first name is Bo Jesse. <laughs> Can I uh, can I give you my favorite line in the whole movie? 
get your hands off of me. That's that that is not it now. It's you're cold because all the blood is running out of your body, Roach. You're going to be dead soon. I hope it was worth it. I just yeah. love the way he delivers that line. So when they leave Johnny behind to get handcuffed in the bank, that line I just gave is the other moment where I think he's, it's the best and worst of his acting. Um, and then Angela, I am an FBI agent. Super quotable. I mean, we, we mock it. Super quotable. Mm-hmm. I was saying that shit in grade school. I didn't even really know what it meant. Um, Angelo knocks John C. McGinley out cold. Yeah. And everyone's like cool with it. This guy just assaulted his superior and everyone's like, mm, had it coming. Yeah, well, all right. Um, um, now I'm going to take the uh, handcuffed uh, suspect with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, they're at the, was it Malibu Airport? Uh, Roach catches Angelo, like, sneaking up on them at the airport. I think Roach was taking a shit. For sure, yeah, whatever he's doing back there. I guess there's some things you just can't take in the mix. He's got a shotgun with him. Yeah. I like he's just like, what, what's this? Dude's, like, you know, creeping on us. I'm going to just get my shotgun out and point it at him. Yeah. So the line you mentioned, you know, they're on the plane. Roach is freezing. They're gonna they're gonna make Roach skydive out of the plane, which mm-hmm. is hilarious. Um, so it's, like the James McGraw is doing this great like dying by bleeding to death acting in the sequence. Uh, but yeah, so the whole thing where like Swayze gets the the thing the parachute on him as he's like, sh- like twitching and shivering, and he's just like looks at Johnny like the fuck are you looking at? Well, I just love the uh, as Swayze jumps out. Adios, amigo. Boom. Out of the airplane. Also, James the has got a great last line. I'll see you in hell, Johnny. Mm-hmm. I'll see you in hell, Johnny. I bet it hurts, man. So much it tastes like acid in your mouth. Yeah, I want you in my mouth. Wait, what? You're cold because all the blood is running out of your body, Roach. <laughs> love it. Um, and then just the classic at the very end of the movie. He's not coming back. This yeah. movie, it has like, it's a week after T2 came out. Like, what a moment for like having like badass lines in Spanish, you know, like Valle con Dios, Asla Vista. <laughs> like, I feel like they, somebody needs to make an action movie now where all like the kiss off badass lines are in French. It's <laughs> like, Jack, same. Jack Hughes, motherfucker. Sacre bleu, baby. So they're just beating each other to death with baguettes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm going to shove this baguette. Up your Eiffel Tower, motherfucker. Um, yeah, so Australia filmed in Oregon. <laughs> Disappointing to ever learn that, yeah. I assume that that's really Bell's Beach. Uh, also, I love how they describe it. Found an unclaimed piece of meat in Mexico that was Rosie. Oh, yeah, so yeah. so uh, uh, Bodie killed Rosie, right? I don't think so, no. I feel like he picked a fight with the wrong people. Okay. You gotta go down. People trusted you and went bad and they died. Yeah, so I have a whole, I have a massive list of quotes here that I want to run well, through. But so, so there's some great philosophical moments there. Like before they get into the fist fight there on Bell's Beach, Bodie generally asks him, "Do you still go surfing?" And every Keanu day. says, "Every day." Oh yeah, like he's still searching for that source, man. Which makes me wonder: Are him and Tyler still together? I don't think. I, so. I want so, them to be, but it's hard to imagine. Yeah, I want them. I wouldn't mind that because I like her, and I don't know. I think Johnny's even more broken than possible. But like, they she embraces him. They don't kiss or anything. Also, this poor woman's in a nighty. Yeah, she's been kidnapped and, and held by a fucking machine like Rosie in a nighty. Also, the SWAT team to take Bodie down on on the Australian beach. The one dude has an Uzi. They have Australian accents too, which I love. Yeah. 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 Okay, so I have a bunch of quotes here. 
Maybe we need to do them all. Maybe we don't. I don't know. Let's start us off with uh, just some inspirational lines from Bodhi here. We got fear causes hesitation and hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. I, I like this idea that we're treating this of all the movies we've done on this podcast. Like this might be the most quotable movie of all time. I think it is. Bodhi says, if you want the ultimate, you've got to be willing to pay the ultimate price. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. Yeah. Uh, And then he has this basic dog psychology. If you scare them and get them peeing down their leg, they submit. But if you project weakness, that promotes violence. And that's how people get hurt. And then Roach says, peace through superior firepower. And like cocks a shotgun or something. And then just a classic. Back off, war child. Seriously. Thank you, man. Thank you. You know, again, I made the joke about Tyler Dern because Tyler Dern is like the placeholder joke for, for a certain type of character. And I don't dislike Brad Pitt in some roles, but he doesn't have nearly the uh, ability to deliver these kind of ethos building lines. That's the way he did. I don't know. I feel like Brad Pitt, like the curse of Brad Pitt is that he is a character actor trapped in the body of a leading man. Yeah. Like he's, he's too handsome so that the roles he gets are not the roles he should have. Here's my problem with this Tarantino movie, besides the fact that it's a Tarantino movie, and I just don't give a shit anymore. It was sold to us as, this is going to be my Manson Murders movie. Why the fuck do I need to watch a movie about like a has-been actor and his like stuntman buddy? I, I guess that they're like neighbors or whatever, but like, if you're casting Margot Robbie and this is a movie somewhat about Sharon Tate, I don't think it's I don't think it's actually about her that much. Okay. My impression is much more about Leo and Brad. Why is there a fucking scene of like Bruce Lee? Well, because he's a stuntman. Whatever. Yeah. It it seems like it's like it's like usual Tarantino bullshit where it's like there's two different movies I want to do, and I'm going to tell you it's this kind of movie, but this is the other kind of movie I really wanted to do. I will withhold judgment till I see it. Hmm. Um. The the after the insurance policy where like he's just gone full homicidal he's tyler's been kidnapped she's being held and he's this whole bit with uh with bodie she's like i hate this johnny i really do i hate violence that is why i had rosie do this i could never do that man i could never hold a knife to tyler's throat she was my my woman woman. we shared time time (laughs) together but rosie he's like a machine he's got this gift of blankness once you set him in motion he will not stop so when three o'clock comes he will gut her like a pig and try not to get in issues and there's nothing i can do oh it's so fascinating (laughs) he's got this gift of blankness it's called sociopathic yeah. Oh, there's a bit from the van when they're on their way to the robbery. You do on your lines. I want to. Oh, we've got some classics oh, oh, from oh. Bodhi, like a goddamn, you're one radical son of a bitch. The, the final stroke of as they're gearing up in the van on the way to the robbery where they're going to make Johnny play, you know, it's like he doesn't get a vest or he gets a vest. He doesn't get a mask. He gets a gun that's empty. And he's like, he's still like, you don't get this, man. I'm an FBI agent. And then finally, he's just like, it's a small price to pay for someone who loves you. And she does, you know, it's not her style to fall so hard. I don't think she did with me. <laughs> and then just like, okay, I'm, I'm back in. Like, yeah, you're holding me hostage. I love the bit when Johnny's like his encounter with Warchild's gang. And he's just like, okay, I get it. 
this is where you tell me that locals rule and that yuppie insects like me should be surfing the break, right? And Bunker's like, nope. And then uh, it's like, the Anthony Keys is like, that would be a waste of time. And the war child's like, we're just going to fuck you up. <laughs> I think that's uh, Anthony Keys' only line in the movie, too. Yeah. Except for that like would screaming. Be yeah. A waste of time. Yeah. Lupton Warchild Pittman. Can we do this scene with uh Harp and Papas here? I don't know who who wants to be who here. The special agent Utah it starts there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think I can do it, but I kinda wanna be Harp. All right, you you be Parp. All right. Special Agent Utah! This is not some job flipping burgers at local drive-in. Yes! Your surfboard bothers me. Yes! Your approach to this whole damn case bothers me. And yes, you bother me! And Pappas, oh for the love of Christ, how the hell did I even let you talk me into this whole boneheaded idea to begin with? And Pappas says, Harp, we are working undercover. It takes time. We've produced a few... No! No, 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 no! Let me tell you what you produce. Over the last weeks, you two have produced exactly squat. Squat! During which time the ex-presidents have robbed two more banks. Now, for Christ's sake, does either one of you have anything remotely interesting to tell me? Johnny Utah, after a brief pause, says, I caught my first two today, sir. <laughs> He's just, like, enjoying fucking with the, the boss there. Uh, what's the part where he's just like, actually, the term is babes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah instead of girls or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. The classic Utah get me to... Uh, Papas has just some great lines here. Like, listen, you stop little shit. I was taking shrapnel and caisson when you were crapping in your hands and rubbing it on your face. Is that a, is that a popular kid thing? I guess so. <laughs> or, Harv, I want to tell you something. I was in this bureau when you were still popping zits on your funny face and jerking off to the lingerie section of the Sears catalog. Yeah. <laughs> Papas has a worldview. Man. Or just, like, I'm so hungry I could eat the ass end out of a dead rhino. Should you give me three of those things? Yeah, I really wanted to get a meatball sub for mm. for this. Um, not quite. Pappas is a character that I feel like, for how secondary he is, the only other time I've seen a character bring this unique of like a strange worldview is probably Walter Sobchak. Uh, they're just a similar vibe, I guess. They're they're like very much kind of grounded in their own reality. Yeah, I mean, like obviously they 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 steer into Walter a lot more. Yeah. But it's like, they're coming from a whole fucking thing and they always stay on this bizarre frequency. Well, yeah, it's like kind of like fairly badass line when he like pulls a gun at some point and he goes, speak into the microphone, squid brain. Last time you had a feeling I had to kill a guy and I hate that. It was bad in my report. Oh, we got the, uh, like, kind of Bodie's like Tyler Durden moment. What's the matter with you guys? This is never about the money. This is about us against the system. That system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something. We are here to show these guys that that are inching their way on the freeway in their metal coffins, that the human spirit is still alive. Don't worry about this guy, okay? I know exactly what to do with him. This is during his speech for like the other gang members are like, this dude's a fucking FBI agent. Let's just fucking kill him and get Mm -hmm. out of here. And this is like his like response to that. Which, I don't know, man. I think Bodie believes this shit, but. Bodie's buying into it. And then you got Johnny Utah who says, you crossed the line. People trusted you and they died. You got to go down. Yeah. Yeah. See you in hell, Johnny. See you in hell, Johnny. Oh, and then I, I just love this bit at the end. You mentioned this. 
before when he catches up the boat at the end. Been to every city in Mexico, came across an unclean piece of meat in Baja, turned out to be Rosie. Guess he picked a knife fight with somebody better. Found a passport of yours in Sumatra, missed you by about a week in Fiji, but I knew you wouldn't miss the 50-year storm, Bodie. I don't know how Johnny Utah's not in trouble with the law. Seriously, how is he not in jail at the end of this movie? <laughs> or not even before the end of this movie, but like in that year time jump, how is he not in jail yeah. there? Yeah. Because if he can even fucking answer for like Pappas's murder, mm-hmm. I, I just, mean, the video evidence of the undercover cop's murder doesn't look good for him. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. And just like the last bit with Bodhi when he's just like, I'm not going to paddle in New Zealand. Yeah. Where uh, am I going to go, man? Clips on both sides. Yeah. Come like, on, compadre. Come on. I like how when he first finds him, uh, I can't remember what Johnny Utah says to him, but Bodhi's like, just still waiting for my set, you know? Like, he's, yeah, yeah. He's just watching the waves, waiting for a set to come in. Well, because everyone else, all the other surfers, when he's walking onto the Bell's Beach, all the other surfers are like they've given up. Like the like the fifty year storm, the waves are too intense. Mm-hmm. Beach is closed, but not for Bodie. Not for Bodie, man. Okay, this minor a, minor complaint was, with this movie. He I doesn't. Say, sorry, good. I was say like the what does he describe fifty year storm? It's like every like twice a century, the universe reminds us just how small we are. It's something like that. Yeah, minor yeah. complaint with the end here. He doesn't really get a great wave. Like his last ride, he's like barely on his feet, and then he like falls on his surfboard, yeah. and then yeah. I feel like you could have had a better last ride. I kind of wondered, like, do we really need to see? Like, could they have shot it where just like a wave passes in front of him and we just? Well, I think know, he just the idea of the uh, the tube just like closing over him—that's kind of all you need to see. I just wish he yeah. got a little bit better of a ride there. He's completely knocked off. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my 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 complaints are again the fucking philosophy about the people inching along in their metal coffins on the freeway and how somehow our bank robberies like remind them that they're alive and the human spirit. Hey man, that, that spoke to me. Whatever. Um, inching along in your metal coffin again. Tyler, wake up, sheeple. I mean, there's a wounded masculine of these dudes. I wish they could have done something more for than having her like kidnapped out of the movie. For I really her. don't know what it'd be. I mean, I agree with you, but like, I can't. It's yeah. hard to imagine where they could have fit her in, really. And then on paper, there's a thing where we go skydiving, we rob a bank, and then we immediately go skydiving again. Yeah. I'm fine yeah. with it. So, I mean, it flows. Are, are those your make one changes? Those are my make one changes. Well, what's your change? Nothing. I'm just going to say okay. this. I'm going to put that under complaints. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in lieu of a make one change, because I think this movie's perfect, I'm just going to say Catherine Bigelow should direct a Mission Impossible movie. Oh, that'd be so interesting. Because I feel like that is like the spiritual successor to what she's doing here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like just the, the full commitment to the stunt. McCory's really into his moment on Twitter. Is he? I don't follow him. Like, he likes to do this thing where he's like, hey, people, uh, I have a half an hour. Ask me questions. And it's just like, Hey, Christopher Corey, like, let me ask you the same usual dumb question about like, how do I, you know, sell my script or whatever. And he just like has some kind of like assholes end thing. I don't know. He's, he's an interesting guy. I mean, there's some like fascinating nuggets of truth in that, but he's just really enjoying his moment where he's mm. got the microphone again. Yeah. I, I want like... Ryan Johnson to eventually do a uh, Mission Impossible movie as well. That'd be interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, power rankings at 13. 
Okay, you did it smart. I I kept the ten, so I had to cut a lot of people. I so had ten, and then I just had three more because I could. Do it. Thirteen. I had the dog that Bodie throws at Johnny Utah. I want to point out though that you have thirteen, which is unconventional, and I'm mm. totally fine with that. So okay. next time I do something unconventional, mm. don't be a dick. Oh, me never. Try to try to be try to be cool for once, huh? I don't know what you're talking about. What's your number twelve? Tom Sizemore. You think I like this hair, man? Wow. Okay. Well, Hold on. Let, let, let me find the uh, let me find the dialogue here. All I want to know, smart guy. All I want to know is how these guys could have been robbing Tarzana City National on August second when they're in Fort Fucking Lauderdale on August second. Why don't you figure that out, huh? Fucking what jerks. Is it like my wife wants me to stay at the Ramada. <laughs> uh, let me find it here. I might have it. My wife wants me to stay at the Ramada. I've been working these fuckers for three months, three months. And I finally got them to play Wheel of Fortune with me so I could find out who their supplier is. Then you fucking cowboys show up. And then Papas is like, nice tattooed deets. <laughs> oh, you like that, Papas, huh? Fuck you. I love that John C. McGinley is the boss who just shows up to tell his employees that they fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I've given you just enough rope to hang yourself, but I'm also going to give you more rope for the next your next fuck up. And my number 11 is the freight train, the naked woman from the shower who kicks Johnny Utah's ass. That's a good one. I should have had her on there. Mm-hmm. My 10 is Sizemore. Because um, oh. come on. <laughs> Once you're like, oh, shit, that's Tom Sizemore. And then He's he very skinny, too. He looks different than he would look in other movies. Yeah. Yeah. Just had the wind knocked out of him. Yeah. He shows up later in Strange Days. Not a good dude. Oh, Okay. Uh man, he haven't seen Strange Days. I don't watch that. I'm gonna like we're, we'll watch that together at some point. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, I had War Child number ten. Back Ooh. off War Child. Seriously. Um. So yeah, because I had to like bunch of people together. My number nine is War Child and his gang, including Anthony Kiedis. Oh, I did put the naked woman in the shower, so I do have a okay. train on here. <laughs> See number nine. I actually I don't know why, but I carved out a special spot for Bunker just because I liked his book. He's like War Child's like second in command. He's the guy who punches Johnny Utah in the face. Um, right. I don't know. I just I like the look. He really looks like a Nazi surfer. Yeah, he's the, well because because Warchild might be black. I it, can't tell his ethnicity. He, he like may be Latino. Yeah, it's indeterminate. But like, I love that he's like the leader of the Nazi death squad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My number eight is the character who I'm sure I clocked her at some point. In my youth, but like I really noticed her in these last two viewings. Miss Deer. Oh, the FBI lady. Hot. Very hot. <laughs> I like at first I'm like, oh, is she in the Johnny Utah? Because she definitely notices him when uh Harp like walks him through the the bullpen at first. And then she just seems fascinated. Like she's just like living vicariously through like whatever surfer babe he's fucking. Yeah. Uh number eight, I grouped together Gromit and Nathaniel. Mm. So I felt like that was about the right spot for the both of them. Yeah. At seven, I have James LeGros Roach, and then I just included also, you know, 7.1, the rest of the gang. Oh, I mean, Roach is on a category of zone there. Yeah. What the fuck are you looking at? See you uh, in hell, Johnny. Number seven out of Rosie. Unclaimed okay. piece of meat in Baja. <laughs> Lighting his fucking foot on fire. Just running it through the... Like, it never really catches fire. That's the weird thing, is he just keeps running his... like. No, at, his at a certain point, that leg is on fire. He's got his whole fucking leg, like up to the knee. He's just like, woohoo, look at, th-. like, he seems like he's on something other than alcohol. He's like part of the gang, but he doesn't surf. Yeah. He's just like he's the just, biker of the, the group. Well, he's not like, 
one of the ex-presidents either, but he's no. clearly in on it. Yeah. It's very strange. He's like the, the Brian Epstein of like, whatever. Like Bodie's just like, oh, I found this psychopath who likes to hang out with us. He'll do our extremely dirty work for us. Which makes me wonder, like, what other certified freaks does he like, have? What does, what does like, Roach and Nathaniel think of this guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. I found They're just like, hey, I don't want to know shit about that guy. They're just, you know. Smart. We get the money. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that guy. Smart, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number six, I've got John C. McGinley as Harp. Nice. <laughs> Young, dumb, full of cum. Yes. You, you bothered me. <laughs> Guess we got us an asshole shortage around here. Like, Not so far. He's bringing so much weird fucking energy to this movie from the get-go. He's like at a 10 when he could be a 2, yeah. I mean, he is like no other stereotype of like the screaming police boss <laughs> ever reaches his like level. Ever. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, number six, I've got Roach, James LaGrosse. I'm just, what a performance. I feel like he does so much with like not a huge role. Like I feel mm-hmm. like it, it like you could easily confuse Gromit and Roach, but I feel like there's something about Roach that's just a little harder. You know, like Gromit's like a little more naive and young. Mm-hmm. Roach really makes the look work for him. There's a bit mm-hmm. when um, he's got the sunglasses. They show up at Johnny. Oh, there's a scene we, I, I loved is when they first show up to pick up Johnny after Tyler's run out. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a bit where they're in the doorway. They're all in the doorway outside. And like Roach just like, kind of like looks up at, at Johnny, like with like some kind of emotion behind his eyes, but you don't know what it is. And then Swayze comes in. There's the whole thing where like he's in the bedroom and like Keanu sees his badge. He, yeah, like, yeah. he quickly hides that. And like, he's like reaching for his gun, but like Swayze pulls him out before he can get it. It's so good. Um, I'm number five. My number five is Catherine Bigelow. Mm. Not she, a bad she spot. She just has to be. I mean, there's a lot of good people who have to be a number four through one, but she's just, we can't. I don't know. Have you guys caught on that? Maybe we love her. Has that shown through at all? I don't know. I don't want to mince words. It's a very good director. Uh, number five, I got Ben Harp, John C. McKinley. Nice. Just, yeah, everything you said, just so over the top. He's great. He never, he never feels like a parody, even though he's clearly doing a stereotype. <laughs> he's like so committed to it. Like a lesser director would just like lose the reins of the tone mm-hmm. thanks to him. I mean, I never, I don't really watch, I, I've seen thanks to syndication, like bits and pieces here and there of scrubs. I presume he's the only good thing about that show. Yeah, I never really watched it. Um, apparently there's some kind of crazy anecdote I saw like on IMDb where uh, um, the the casting sides for that role were a John C. McGinley type. <laughs> And then he had to audition multiple times for it. That's some fucking bullshit. So I'm really curious about your top four. I feel like this could go a lot of different ways here. Yeah, this is where it gets. Uh, this is where it gets tricky. I had to make some hard choices. Mm-hmm. Um, number four, Gary Busey as Angelo. Interesting. I think we feel the same way, which is that we're so in love with Lori Petty, we couldn't put her number four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Papa's Gary Busey. What? I, I mean, in a lot of other movies, he'd be number one. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. There is no reason at all that our favorite Angelo Pappas sequence needs to be in this movie. But, but you, you talk, talk it's, it's, Once you've cast Gary Busey, it's like, oh, that makes sense. What's weird is that like, there's no reason for that to be in the movie, and yet it's so memorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder if it is for other people when they think yeah. about this movie. 
Uh, so then number three for me had to be Lori Petty because oh yeah, Tyler and Indicott, <sighs> legend, just incredible blue eyes, um, just the weird places. I, I like the smoky Tank voice, Girl. yeah, the raspy voice. Yeah, I've never seen Tank Girl. She's got kind of like a sexy Muppet voice. Um, sexy Muppet voice. I've I've never like seen Tank Girl. I mean, she's great in a League of Her Own. Of their own. That's um, fantastic in that movie. Yeah. Which, she's the uh, girlfriend on Seinfeld that like gets a haircut just like Jerry, and he's like kind of into it and then kind of not into it. Yeah, that's right. She gets the one who she, she looks like Jerry, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their own, by the way, the best baseball movie ever made. Oh, for sure. Well, let me ask you about two other movies and see how you rank them. Okay. The Natural. Not as good as League of Their Own. Okay, Mr. Baseball. Not definitely not as good as League of Their Own. Oh, one more movie, Major League. No, no, the League of Their Own is the best movie about baseball ever made, in my oh. opinion. I will agree with that. It's also the best movie about just taking like a four minute long piss. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I feel number like two same, and number one. I'm, I've got the same two and one, but I don't know. I, we might be different. Who do you got for number two? And number two, I got Keanu. I do not. Oh, shit. That's right. Johnny Utah, number one for me. Okay. Why? I just felt like Keanu, like, so owns the role. I mean, like, Bodhi is an amazing character, but, like, Johnny Utah's the one jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. True, true, true. To me, it's it's this recursive flip side of the coin thing where, like, Keanu only works because of how good Bodhi's portrayed, and then I'm like, well... Bodhi's so good in retrospect to Keanu's character, and then I'm like, fuck. Um, still, I would just I would say hands down, fight me if you want. Best performances of these two guys' careers. Oh, absolutely. Which I, I almost feel like it was you needed time to look back and be like, holy shit, like Swayze and Keanu in the same movie together. Mm-hmm. Not their first movie together, but their best movie together. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Swayze's Movies after this are all pure shit until Johnny Darko. Breakdown Breakdown is okay. That's a pretty decent action movie. Okay. I haven't seen it. But, I mean, he's... Johnny Darko, you either like it or you don't like it, whatever. But, like, he's good in his very small role. I want to say Breakdown has the move where, like, they stop at a gas station and, like, like, some, like, evil, like, rednecks or something do something to his truck. So it breaks Mm -hmm. down, like, 20 miles later or something like that. Yeah, I was talking about that and you mentioned to me... Something, I was talking about something else in relation to that, and you were like, that's the move in Breakdown. And mm-hmm. I was like, the Swayze movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, is, uh, is Mr. Friendly in that movie? I feel like he should be. I wonder. I feel, that totally feels like it could have been, yeah. yeah. It's uh, I don't know, a real tragedy that he died when he did Swayze, because I feel like he would still be rocking it to this day. Well, and like... He's such a unique actor. Yeah. And like, but like in a you know in a fucking sad, terrible, shitty way, mm-hmm. you know, because like once he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, like that was the one where people were like, by the way, people who are diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, it's you know, yeah. there's not actually a lot of good outcomes there. And it's like fuck, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like yeah, just all constantly like this, you know, like Keanu, the stories were always this is a good one, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, I mean, Bodie and I have number number two, but. They're both just so get good. Him and John Utah, like they, what perfect characters for this movie? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a couple hundred answerable questions. Does Johnny Utah go to jail? Like, how? Why does he not go to jail? 
Yeah. And are him and Tyler still together? Um, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like he, like, without Pappas, like, how does he still have a friend on the force who's going to, like, cover for him, you know? It's not Harp. Yeah. I don't think Harp's on his side unless it's somehow, like, getting punched, like, I don't know, gave him, like, new perspective or something. <laughs> or the, maybe he just blamed it all on Pappas or something after that. Well, Pappas did shoot him because Johnny was handcuffed. Yeah. Um. I love too that when they leave that and he and he ha- and he like uh, undoes his handcuffs and he's just like we're going to the Malibu airport. Step on it. It's just like oh okay. <laughs> I was gonna drive normally. <laughs> and yeah, him and Tyler. I I don't know. I hope they're still together. But what's she doing when he's down in uh in Bell's Beach there? I mean, I like them together. I guess I I Johnny's so broken and like needs to figure out his own shit before he can be with somebody like Tyler and they, they only know each other for like two weeks anyway. So I kind of feel like Tyler could go meet somebody better or do something better. I mean, the problem with Tyler's character is I love her so much, but it's like all the chick wants to do is work at her, her job to get money to surf. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, that's a hell of a hobby. I don't know. Like people have drives like that. I, I wish I understood it. John Utah still surfing every day. Every day, man, looking for the source. So, I, I don't know if you already answered this. I guess the question we were going to start introducing is, would you recommend this? What do you fucking think, people? Absolutely. I mean, Roadhouse was like, this is like a real fucking dumb movie, but like, it's kind of funny to watch. But like, this yeah. is like a, a totally solid, like classic action movie. I really, really, really like Roadhouse. I love Point Break. I love Point Break for a long time. Like I said in my opening statement, I used to get a lot of shit for liking this movie. I feel like people have come around on it. And also, if for the people who don't like the episodes with the movies that we love, take sympathy on us. This episode, we had to re-record parts of it. <laughs> Only a little bit. Um, so next, we'll be doing Batman movies? I suppose, yeah. I don't know, maybe in August. We'll do Batman movies. Okay, so you want to you want to cruise through the rest of July? I don't know, man. I got a lot of writing to do. I'm thinking about moving, so I don't know exactly when the next one will be coming out. Yeah, where are you going to move to? I don't know. All right. But apparently not someplace with sand that will just easily get all up in your taint. I don't think I could be a beach person. That just seems like a lot of work. I wouldn't mind... Owning a house on the beach. I don't know if it'd be my main house. <laughs> In this magical world, right? I have 17 houses. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I really want a house on the beach that other people are super envious of. And I'm like, oh, this shithole? I feel like people I that... I'm here for part of the summer. People that live near the beach, like, they never leave that, like, you know, area of, like, 10 block radius or something. Like, it's just like, if you're one of those people, you just stay there. And I don't I think, think that's me. I think there's genuine beach people. And I think there's people who, like exhaustively try to tell you how much better their life is on the beach and like they're secretly dying inside yeah a lot of traffic too not a lot of parking oh and just you have a home you have a fortress you have a place where you keep your toys and you get real slick with things and you got a bunch of fucking assholes who are always invading your space Mm -hmm. tell me how that's great yeah so it's almost better to go to the beach rather than live on the beach maybe I haven't been to the beach in several months, so maybe I should go soon. But let's, I go, let's go to the beach. Yeah. 
Let's go get real hot and sweaty. Mm. Let's just go to someone's pool. You have a, your parents have a pool. Yeah, not for much longer, man. They're moving. Oh, that's right. I know. Yeah. I made a new friend of a pool. It was great. Oh yeah, male or female? I was like, <laughs> I was like, I wish we were going to still be friends after the summer, but I don't need you anymore. Didn't answer that question. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, uh, right, so uh, and which is funny because Batman Begins is the one I'm, I'm least interested in. I feel like that it's the most Batman y of them, though. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. In two to three weeks, we'll be, we'll do Batman Begins. Yeah. That's so awesome. August. Yeah. That sounds chef's kiss. Uh, um, and then I think after that, I know we've got a couple we've talked about. We have to do this, we have to do that. We should probably really open it up to. Something, all of you listening, pick a captain, somebody can speak for you, decide amongst yourselves, pick a movie for us. Let's do something out of, that's out of our control. Yeah, sure. I mean, don't make it shitty or make it shitty if you think that's going to be real fun for us, but you, you all pick something. Decide amongst yourselves. Yeah, just let us know. Yeah. Um, real quick before we go, if you want to support the podcast, leave us a rate and review in iTunes, or you could go buy the book that we wrote. We wrote a YA murder mystery called My Name is Trouble. Go to mynameistrouble.com. Check it out. It's a fun murder mystery. Good beach read. If you're going surfing and maybe taking some time on the beach to read a book. Mm, it's very similar to Point Break. Sure. Also, I keep meaning to bring this up. If you live in like the state of California and you, you know, I, no judgment. If you can't afford the book, don't want to spend your money that way, go to your local library. Um, if you live in the state of California, most libraries participate in a program called ZipBooks. ZipBooks is a great program for libraries where if they don't have the book that you want and they weren't going to get it probably anyway, the state of California pays for them to buy items that patrons request. They are Amazon Prime to you two days later. You typically have this book for a period of time. Then you return it to your local library and it becomes a library book. It's just you get a like, free like a scam. Book. Yeah, it's uh, a fantastic fucking scam in which only you win. So. Get on it. Get weird with it. Also, if you do that, even if you have the book, it's great for us to get the book in the libraries. Yeah. That weird shit living on forever on the shelves of your local public library. Yeah, my name is trouble.com. Fun book. If you like murder mystery, I think you'll enjoy it. Working hard on book two right now. Mm-hmm. We're working mm-hmm. on chapter four tomorrow. Ooh. You heard it here first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can only write like a thousand words last week, so I got to get back on it. Okay. Well, in that case, bye, Condias. Adios, amigo. <laughs> <laughs>